Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez with my co-host Brad Binkley and our special guest today, Tim Pachote of Liberty Advisor. And that kind of tells you what, what he's all about, but there's so many things I want to ask Tim. And the first thing I want to ask him is about who he is and what he does. So first, let's say, welcome, Tim. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the quickest way to describe who I am, I mean, I graduated college in 2008. And so, you know, sort of dating myself, but you know, I had taken a class in the Federal Reserve, and I had been running my school's endowment fund at the time. And the class I took in the Federal Reserve, like literally my classmates, now I wasn't on the actual, there was something called the Fed Challenge, which I wasn't actually on this because it was all like the bunch of, it was everyone in my class except for me, because I had other stuff that I wanted to do. And I was playing water polo and doing other stuff. And so uh, all my classmates ended up winning the national competition, uh, like against Harvard and Yale, MIT on the Federal Reserve. So I thought that I knew quite a bit about this. And then, you know, kind of fast forward to about, I want to say like 2009, you know, everything had crashed. I had been told that, you know, that everything is fine and that we're never going to have a recession again because the Federal Reserve or God, literally in our class, our saying, our class motto was, in Fed we trust. Like, I'm not even joking. Wow. And that's when Fukuyama, what was his name? Francis Fukuyama wrote The End of History. I remember that was like the... I think it was around that time, like the moment in time when he was like, you know what, everything's been done and we're just like going to coast from here and then shit hit the fan. Yeah, it didn't didn't age well. And so, you know, at the time too, I was running my endowment fund and had moved everything to cash and got chewed out by everybody because, you know, you're not supposed to go to cash ever because, and they're like, you know, we're not paying you. I'm like, well, you're not paying me. So, you know, don't tell me (laughs) you're not. And so- uh, yeah, so everything had crashed, and I'm in one day. I'm in the hot tub with some guy that looks like Rob Zombie. He's got his hair, you know, way down, scraggly. He's like a painter or something. And it was like my, at the time, girlfriend's friend's husband, and he ends up telling me that the Federal Reserve is private and going on and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, this guy's full of shit. I'm like, the, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say that in here, but I'm like, totally you know, this guy. I'm like, you know what, dude, I'm going to prove you wrong. And long story short, went on this huge like rampage of trying to figure out information. I didn't want to be wrong. And uh, next thing I knew, uh, you know, he told me to watch the movie Freedom to Fascism. So I watched that movie. Oh, yeah. Aaron Russo. Is that the Aaron Russo flick? Yeah. And then, which is crazy, because almost a year ago today, I was on stage next to uh, Sherry Pill Jackson at Anna Capoco. So I was like on stage with her, uh, like right next to her at one point. So it's kind of weird. Like, all kind of came full circle. Yeah. And so, uh, so he's telling me this. I go look up all this stuff, and then my uh, girlfriend at the time, well, now actually ex-wife, uh, she decides to buy me the book Creature from Jekyll Island. And so I. Oh, my- did you just interview him? I just interviewed G. Edward Griffin. I thought you did yeah. too. Uh well, we were in his neighborhood, and Josh Sigerson had a emergency that we had to leave, even though we were supposed to interview him, and I Dang. wanted to to kill Josh, who almost actually got <laughs> killed. Uh, literally, no, there was it not for me. There was another like incident, like this whole barroom thing where some guy like jumped at him and like tried punching him in the face like the other day. Like this is like crazy. Like this guy that was super jacked, like his arms were like out to here, wearing a gold gym thing out of nowhere. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> guys, That's, yeah. No, I'm not, even, I'm not even joking. And like, yeah, I mean, I had to tackle the guy. It was like a crazy, crazy wow, thing. Wow, it's a little roidy. And now there's, uh, yeah, and it's, there's, it's all on tape, and it's like the craziest thing ever. Like we didn't even say anything to this guy. It was just like, that's it was, all it was on sort of like tape. A, but like, it's sort of like a knockout game type thing, where like nothing yeah. like, out of the blue, some guy like oh, no interaction at wow. all. Like not like there was like a bunch of like crap talking. So it's been a very very crazy week for us. <laughs> which actually that incident also then 
started in the hot tub too. So maybe I should just stop going to hot tub. So anyway, so this, so, so we're, so anyways, I see, we ended up reading the book and uh, yeah, which culminated in me almost, you know, being at Jerry Griffin's house, you know, two days ago. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I ended up, you know, reading the book, find out, holy crap. Like I was, I, I was wrong. Like this was, it is a federal, it is a private entity. And meanwhile, I I'd had a series seven stockbroker's license, a series 66 license, a life accident health, Chartered retirement planning counselor was on the class to win the national competition on the Federal Reserve. Was ran the endowment fund that lost the least amount of money in 2008, and I was on my way to becoming the youngest certified financial planner probably in the world at that point. So I'm like, all right, wow. I should probably know this. And I'm like, who's this guy? Some fucking painter, like who looks like Rob Zombie, <laughs> telling me this. And so it turns out he was right. And then that pissed me off because I was like, well, if I didn't know this, not that I know everything, but it's like, if, but I was like in the prime position. Yeah, to that know was this, your specialty. And I didn't know it. And so it really made me mad. And then, uh, then I, you know, started trying to reverse engineer how the 2008 collapse happened and all these guys who I thought were, uh, you know, like heroes. Like I wanted to go on wall street and I wanted to do all that whole, whole deal. But obviously I just bought Tom Wood's book on that. I think it, do you recommend anything on the 2008? Because I just thought that was a whole ton of can kicking. And so I expected 2020 or 2021 to see a big crash and then it happened. And I was like, well, it wasn't a pandemic. And if you like were an alien from outer space and you or woke up from a coma and you saw what the, what Congress was doing, you would think, oh, there must've been a debt collapse. You wouldn't have thought, oh, there must've been a microbe, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's insane what ended up going on. But no, most of it was all my own, like independent research. I wasn't, I mean, obviously at the time in 2008, 9, and 10, there wasn't really books on this stuff. So you just had to go and research right. it. Just had to go and research it yourself. And at the time, I wasn't really making any money and I had a lot of time. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to go research all this stuff because, you know, I wanted to become a stock analyst, but, you know, good luck trying to become, you know, trying to find a job as a stock analyst in 2008. You know, I might as well have been try to become like a Hawaiian tropics girl or something at that point. I mean, well, maybe these days with all the transgender stuff, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe yeah, it would be go. easier today. That's Who knows? I'm but, a CFA. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, wow. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it, so it ended up, you know, getting me down this road of, you know, wanting to audit the federal reserve. And then, and then I wanted to, you know, was doing all these different end the federal reserve type movements. And then, uh, and I was getting very political and made, um, you know, I was a big Ron Paul person and ran, you know, a marathon calling, carrying a Ron Paul flag and, nice. and, and moved to Arizona, which was sort of the home of the Ron Paul revolution. Uh, you know, it kicked off here actually in Phoenix, uh, believe it or not. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to move here. And then, um, man, you really walked the walk, bro. Yeah. And I mean, I ran it. So I literally ran. With you ran marathon. the walk. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah. So then in 2016, I was still you know, planning on voting for libertarian because I wasn't, you know, anarchist at that point yet and didn't thought all the anarchists were crazy. And then at the time I, uh, you know, it was August of 2016 and Bill Weld, who was the vice oh my gosh. Yeah. chair of the party or vice presidential, <laughs> uh, he said on an interview when asked about AR-15s, he goes, yeah, AR-15s are dangerous and we need to ban them. But uh, even more dangerous are handguns. And, and he starts talking all this bullshit about handguns. I'm like, you know what, if the libertarian party can't even philosophically at this point defend the second amendment then you know what i'm gonna just go out for donald trump because at least and this is again two th i mean anyone can money motor quarterback this now but this is 2016 and i thought he had a great chance at winning which everyone thought i was crazy and so i created a facebook page called libertarian advisor which didn't focus have have me on it at all it's just sort of like a gnome de plume thing and then it blew up i had like 32,000 people following me within two months wow 
full week. And then uh, Facebook uh, right after the election. And that is crazy. Only like one of the first videos I ever made was talking about how I thought Trump was going to win. And when he does win, they're going to blame it on the Russians. And this is on video in one of the very first videos. It's not like I have a thousand videos and one was right. This is like I have like two or right. three videos. And well, seeing crazy. his win. I mean, I was saying that's when I had a radio show, a terrestrial radio show, and Binkley was my producer and sidekick there. And we would talk about how the polls, like there was something crazy going on with the polls, like Brexit was reading the polls and saying it wouldn't pass, and then it passed, and every poll was wrong. There was articles about how polling has lost its mojo. Well, it's all on how they ask the question and how they rig it. No, I, I know. I, studied I understand it. Yeah, I studied the weaknesses. The yeah. But they were saying even the, you know, even because actually a well-done poll is highly predictive. So and like exit polls are highly predictive if they do them really correctly. And they were supposedly failing at that too. And I highlighted that and I still could not see that they were setting us up for the Trump win. I just could, that is how hard it was to see that coming, I think. So kudos to you. Yeah, and I mean, to, I mean, it pissed off a lot of people. I mean, because I pissed off all the libertarians and pissed off all my family and a lot of, uh, you know, just basically everybody all the way, all the way around. <laughs> and so, I mean, I was wearing, you know, first generation Hillary for prison shirts everywhere I went, and, and it was on the front row still a good one. for Christmas. Yeah, I was on the front row of, uh, you know, like a Southwest Airlines flight wearing Hillary for prison. So, I, come flying from DC in October, so like every person that had to pass me had to see that. <laughs> Uh, you know, all sorts of all sorts of crazy stuff. And then uh, right after the election, this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but November 16th, 2016, and actually you can go on di- different places to actually go check this out. I had something that I created called a fake news list. All it was called was fake news list. This is two and a half months before Donald Trump used the term fake news. Now I can get into now. I'm not the first person to string together those two words. And there was basically this professor out of new hampshire melissa zimdars who said you know basically we're all fake news and like everything that's not communist uh propaganda is, right. is fake news i'm like you know what that's and perfect rapaport always had no more fake news so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That. and yeah, first no. draft news a place called first draft news cheryl atkinson atkinson documents this in her book they it was like a conscious effort to create the term fake news and put it into the lexicon and then trump kind of hijacked it a little bit later, but this was in 2015, about a month and a half after Trump went down an escalator, mm-hmm. First Draft News was created, and then they in turn had an organized effort to put fake news, the term, into the lexicon. And it created yeah. a dialectic that now we are going to see lead to mass censorship, the repeal of 230, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I believe I'm the first person on Facebook to have that term go viral, hijacking Yeah, no, the, I'll give the you that. that and, yeah. then, and then it gets even crazier. So I listed one person by name on this list. Like it was, you know, Snow, Smother Jones, Fox. Yeah. I even put most of Fox News, not to try to, you know, piss off all the Republicans because, I mean, obviously we know. Yeah, yeah, most news. of Fox News, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all Fox News. But, you know, I didn't, but I was trying to, you know, still grab some of that, their attention, you know, MSNBC. Stuff that's accidentally all, true. Yeah, all the, <laughs> accidentally true. Yeah, I mean, all the usual suspects. But I listed one person by name. That one person was, you know, the so called economist Paul Krugman of the New York yeah, Times. Right. Wouldn't you know it? A year and a half later, Paul Krugman won Trump's award for most fake news. So not only wow. did I have the term fake news, I also listed the fucking person that won the award <laughs> for most fake news a year and a half in advance. And for doing that, Facebook took my reach and like literally within 
I, I w- if I were to go live on my page, I'd have 30 people. It would reach out of 32,000. I had negative uh, subscriber growth. And then they, uh, they made it so, like the day before I had 1200 new subscribers and I've been at, I was been at negative ever since. And I actually just about like two weeks ago, just kicked myself yeah. off Facebook. And then two days later, all my friends get kicked off Facebook anyway. So yeah, I, um, I started out deplatformed. We got deplatformed from a few things and just, I, I just stopped going to Facebook because I didn't want to put my effort there. Now, you know, I'll post stuff there just to get the word out. Cause I do still have followers, yeah. but and I was on it since 2004. Like I'm like pretty much before anybody on Facebook. Yeah. Like, beginning I almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like two, yeah I, was, I just happened to be at one of the very first schools that had it. And so right. and actually kind of crazy story how I got on it. Just, I was dressed up as Flavor Flav on Halloween and some <laughs> girl, uh, I was trying to, some actually Russian, uh, some Russian girl I was trying to hit on her. And she's like, oh, are you on the, the Facebook? And I'm like, what's the Facebook? And then I went home right. and got on the Facebook. So she's like, yes, I am. Is, wait yes. right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I didn't even have like, like uh, smartphones back then either. So I actually had to go home. Yeah. Go that was the, the AOL. Well, instant messenger days back then. Yeah, it was just as it was migrating from from AIM yeah. to to that, and you can go on Facebook and poke people. And back when that was right, like, still yeah. a thing. Yeah. So yeah, weird. so we were going throughout <laughs> this whole thing, and then like right after the election, uh, I started getting into like the world of uh, like like Ernest Hancock. He's been on the Union that he wanted a few times. Yeah, uh, you know that this guy's like an OG and tons of things. Like he was the guy that made the Ron Paul Revolution logo, had the first Ron Paul. Oh, Union I post. love that. I wrote a whole. Um, article, a lovely article about my son wearing a Ron Paul Love Revolution. My son has Down syndrome, and he just, you know, he was like, "Look at me, I'm love." Because yeah, love no, and that's sure. and that's Ernie. That was Ernie's creation of that. Wow, now I he's have to send him this. that article I wrote. It's a very uh-huh. good article. I mean, people have it tattooed on them, and now he's touring yes. the country in a love bus to promote vaccine awareness. But he was, he was early to the game of Bitcoin and interviewing all the guys who got like super rich off or not. Well, at the time they weren't super rich. It's just the guys who were um, in the Bitcoin. And then, so I started realizing very, very early on, like literally before Trump even got into office at that point that he, that it was going to be a complete waste of time and that he was just filling up the swamp. And then when he picked guys like Jerome Powell to be fed chair, I'm like, he is too fucking stupid to realize how things Bill Barr, who's, you know, was, whose dad was the one that gave Epstein criminal. his first job. And then yeah. he, uh, and then Ruby Ridge Gary, was on Bill Barr's watch. Uh, Gary Cohn, who is, you know, uh, a bundler for Hillary Clinton and was his first economic advisor and a carbon tax. I'm like, you know, what? I didn't work my ass off and get ostracized and lose friends and lose family members <laughs> yeah. and do all this shit for, you know, and, you know, for all this stuff, you know, for you to go pick these swamp monsters. And then it pissed me off that all these, you know, Republicans who were too much of pussies to do anything to support him before he got in. And then they're all calling me libtards and they're all, you know, I mean, so there is like a a little bit of me that's sort of, you know, glad that at least they didn't get their way, but not, but, you know, I'm not glad at how everything has turned out. And, uh, and I knew that all the politics was all bullshit and there's no way that, you know, anything's going to be solved. And if you're not dealing with the fact that, we are essentially high techs living in this high tech serfdom with the federal reserve. If you're not addressing that issue, I don't give a fuck what else you have to say. And so with Trump, I feel like he completely missed the ball. The debt has deficit was never, has never been oh worse. God, his debt was up 8 trillion, more than $8 trillion. And I'm on video under, saying that four years, March, 2017, I'm on video saying that if he gets two terms, I bet that he explodes that more than Obama. And I was called an effing libtard on this uh, on this right. show, and and who and like getting attacked like by like six on one. Well, not only was I right, it was actually in one term he did yeah. more than Obama did, or it's probably I don't know. It's, 
I don't know what the exact numbers are. It's like right around, it's probably right around the same. But I never, I never fell for him because, and I would tell people, he does not champion the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. He doesn't have um, ideals. He has no track record. No real philosophy. Yeah, he was, I mean, he, he was a socialist leaning, you know, and you can see that with those deficits and his supporting the blue states and their lockdowns by giving them federal money, like the whole thing. But- yeah, it was more think, like an anti-Hillary thing. Yeah, for no, me, what I think I, they yeah. did, and I think you were part of this, is that they took the energy from Ron Paul, which they weren't going to let give wing, whatever, and they redirected it into Trump. And and the anti-establishment element was absolutely there, but it was like not really in the service to the the ideals of the American experiment that Ron Paul, like you could keep digging with Ron Paul and always get to an ideological answer and some like uh, voting integrity that he could back it up. And Trump, I, I think that he's kind of just did whatever he was told. I think he, he is kind of a face job, but it doesn't matter. You know, I sympathize with the people who supported him, but it's just that you have to, you can't just take that face value stuff because, you know, I mean, what difference does it make? You know what I mean? It didn't really make any difference. It didn't do any oh, harm. Okay, Hillary. So what, what difference does it make? But I, no, like actually, Benghazi? people say that. It would have been better to have him than Hillary. But I feel like if Hillary was there, people would have never stood for these lockdowns. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. Because with Trump being in there, it really took the wind out of my sails. Because if I were to label the criticism I had against Trump against Hillary, people would have been all for me. But because now, you know, they're and Republican you're a pure is in there and i'm like okay i'm a libtard because i don't want to explode the debt okay yeah that makes a lot of sense i know that Uh, was the real coup of trump that's why i think he was an inside job because he accomplished the opposite of what his followers would have wanted if they just thought about it yeah and And he did it by being obnoxious which is fine but i mean he did it by being mean to people they hated so they thought that he was nice to them but he wasn't just like aoc she does definitely have yeah, they're they're both, the same they're thing. They're, they're both, both PR, uh, New York. Yeah. They're both New York liberals. So, I mean, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and so I knew the whole thing was bullshit. And then I also knew early on that they were going to, I mean, Ernie and I would probably talked about this a hundred times in his show oh, really? that he was that, I mean, I did almost exactly a year ago today. It was February 11th, 2020. So like literally almost a year ago today, probably by the time this airs, uh, you can go to the libertyadvisor.com and watch a presentation I gave at Anna Capoco. It was an investment presentation. The very end of it, I was running out of time and I wanted to make sure I got this through. And I, I put up like, I think it was like seven states on stage. And I put, the, I put it in, it was in my PowerPoint. And I go, listen, Donald Trump, Surprised everybody in 2016. The deep state thought there was no chance that he was going to win, and he pulled a big upset. Now they know that he's in there, and they don't want him in there, and so they're going to do everything they can. And so in 2016, they didn't do everything they could because they thought they're like, "Why are you going to go risk a felony if mm, if Hillary only has like a one percent chance of winning?" And this is what I was saying on stage, like just making this ad living at this point because I was already like kind of ran out of time and was <laughs> like, yeah. like you know, they're trying to like get me off. I'm like, no, I need to get this information out. So then uh, I ended up, you know, that was part of my thesis. Like, listen, he's already in there. They're going this time. The entire system well all like they don't need to have they don't need to rig everything all they need to do is rig one county in these like six or seven states and they're going to do it through the voting machines and that's how they're going to do it through the and i on stage with the states up there with the margin of victory saying that they're only going to do one or two counties in each state all ahead of time all ahead of time and what did i get trying to tell republicans (laughs) this i got lambasted left and fucking right so 
all those guys can kiss my ass that they have. And the thing is now they're like, oh, we need to go over to Parlor. I'm like, oh yeah, Parlor. Like I've only been talking about <laughs> the essentialized. We didn't like, fall for that either. Like, oh, the Parlor, the one that's run, that makes you give up your driver's license before you go on there. And then is owned by the people that own Cambridge Analytica, mm-hmm. the Mercer family. I'm like, people are just so effing stupid. Sure. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know where we got off on that one, but yeah. So I ended up realizing that this whole thing is a scam. And that I knew he was going to lose. So I'm probably the first person, like literally since March of 2017, I was on record saying that he was going to lose while also saying that he was going to win in, in, uh, 2016. in 2016. Yeah. So I don't know. No, I didn't see either of those that. coming. I thought he was going to win. Yeah. And then when I got lamb, and so the thing is I got lambasted by everybody both, both times. And, uh, I mean, I pissed off potential clients at the time because at the time, I that's was what I like, wanted to ask you about. Like, how can you survive in this world with your opinions? Is it a niche that you get to dominate or are you just trying to like find clients now. here and there? Yeah, it is now because, uh, at the time, like I literally want, like there was when I first, you know, was really doing all this stuff. There was one week where I lost my two biggest clients and one was because they said I was too pro Trump. The other one was because I was too anti-Trump. But that doesn't affect returns. Like you are a financial advisor, right? Yeah. And actually last year, I mean, as part of this video is all on video that right before everything went down, I had a strategy where, and I talked about it ahead of time where I was long. Yes. I own the S and P 500 while also owning put options on the S and P 500 because the put options you could buy for like three or 4% last year. Now they're like 10 to 15%. It's way, way. Because it's it's a bubble. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot more expensive. And so my strategy was, okay, well in 2019, we had that strategy going and the S and P earned about 30 put options cost four. So 30 minus four means we made 26. And then this, what, what it also meant, it was that the floor that we could go down was also 4%. So when everything was down like 34%, we were only down four, which then also then allowed us to, uh, you know, not have to like panic or do anything or, you know, not panic like everybody else. But now I, as the ins- the insurrection, I'll say it's in air quotes, was going down. I mean, I have switched up my investment strategy a ton now. And actually, my clients actually do own quite a bit of Bitcoin. So today was yesterday was a very good day for me and my day. clients. Do you trade a- in and out of that? Or do you no, try to buy and hold? I'm buying and, and holding. And I mean, if you take a look at, I mean, almost every time I, with my, I'll be honest, my grandpa, like I sold a little bit because he's like 80 years old and oh, 81. And I- Zero and tolerance I, for risk. He well, should be then, all bonds. Well, then I sold a little bit at like you should be in like twenty one year. <laughs> so yeah, like it went from I don't know like like four thousand to twenty thousand, and I sold it, and then it went and it immediately goes up to forty. So I'm like, and he's like, why did you sell that? And I'm like, oh, damn. like first time, yeah, bust my balls for years and years and years about getting in, and now he's mad right. and I sold it. So, right. but yeah, so it almost comes back to bite me every time I've ever. Uh, I mean, I my for personally, I've actually have never sold for cash ever. I've never I've actually taken it out ever. So, um. Uh, and I don't really have any plans to do that because why would you want to trade in? And when did you start investing in Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, like early 2017, but I mean, I had been following, but by the time I got in though, like I knew everything about it, which is my problem uh, because I talked myself out of this early on when it was like a dollar, I talked myself out of it. I want to get into that. Um, We really want to focus on Bitcoin. So let me just knock off some of the few other things I wanted to ask you first, because I'm, we're never going back when we start talking about Bitcoin because I have a million questions. Okay. Binkley. So um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, so do you, I mean, maybe we'll go a little bit backwards. Do you think that, are you in stocks at all? Are you, or are you, do you think this, I mean, I just cannot get my mind around and you pointed out Live Nation. That's a great example. I heard you on Ernie the other day. 
that uh, Live Nation is higher now than it was a year ago. And its revenue, if I understand correctly, went to zero and its prospective revenue is zero. So I don't, isn't that right? Isn't Live Nation like at a new, at a, at a high yeah, I mean, at the, at the time it was, I don't know what it is right this second. I don't Whatever. know what the revenue is. It hit a yeah, new high. Yeah, it, yeah, or it was in like earshot of it. And so it was just, right. you know, craziness. And so I don't really, actually, I don't own any stocks personally, but my clients own stocks because uh, I have a much higher risk tolerance and I'm willing to take the ups and downs of Bitcoin and Ethereum right. and a few others. And not everybody, I'm managing money for other people and have a fiduciary duty for other people and not necessarily just myself. So I need to keep right. that they in mind. Risk but profile. But with that said, I mean, the, the traditional strategy that I had last year kicked the shit out of like the other financial advisors when it came to like, you know, what was going down in March and April. And then, uh, you know, what had happened the year before too with us going up as well. And so, you know, it was a great place to be in and same store. I was in the same allocation in 2018 when everything went down as well, except now we're, I'm, I'm in a completely different uh, allocation because we're, we're in a world where there's Federal Reserve money printing that's going left and right. And they like literally last year, the Federal Reserve uh, doubled in size. So it, they did more last year in like three months than they did from December 23rd, 1913, all the way right, up until last year. Yeah, so more. let me ask you this. Uh, when I see a real heady prices in stocks, say from let's just round numbers, 20,000 a year ago, roughly, or whenever it was March to 30,000 now. So it's a 50% increase over this time when the economy I mean, maybe productivity isn't tanking as much as it feels like it should because the higher productivity jobs carry on. I don't know, but you're seeing a 50% increase in prices from what might have been considered like a fundamentally true number at 20. And is that 100% monetary stimulus? Because if it is, then why isn't like real estate up 50% or wine or art, you know, like why aren't other, why aren't hard assets up 50%? Well, I mean, a lot of real estate actually is is up, but then you also have some deflationary factors in real yeah, estate that's as what well. I so, I mean, one of the biggest factors when it comes to the, and I also want to point out that the economy and the stock market are not synonymous terms that are completely different. And, right. That, and now the yeah. fundamentals of companies don't seem to have any bear, you know, are being decoupled from their price movements. Yeah. Like not anything that you would, derivatives, but, you know, yeah, just like any, it's gambling. Yeah, like if you would, you know, to read like Benjamin Graham's The Value Investor or, you know, study any classical yes. stock market type stuff. I mean, stock market type stuff, that sounds very scientific, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's none of what's going on today makes any sense. But, you know, it's sort of like if you're playing a game Monopoly and every hour somebody just drops another thousand dollars on, on the board and then, you know, you can't just let the cash just pile up. And so maybe now you're going to start trying to buy Marvin Gardens or Park Place and, and you're going to start bidding up these different properties. And so what I see the inflation is in financial assets. And if you bring things back to, like Germany in 1911, Germany, their stock market, I think was 400, then it went down to 100. But then by 1923, it was 27 million. And so it wasn't like things were going great in uh, Nazi Germany. But let's say they also had several currencies too at the time. So one of their currencies was called the gold mark. And then the gold mark collapsed into the Ren mark, and the Ren mark collapsed into the Reichsmark, then the Reichsmark collapsed into the Deutschmark. And then now you've got the euro. But if you were to just hold be safe, and I'll say this in air quotes for the listeners, if it's safe and keep everything in gold marks, you know, you were wiped out and had, you know, got pennies in the dollar, then you got, were wiped out again when it went to Renmark, then wiped out again when it went to Reichsmark, then wiped out again when it went to Deutschmark. So if you're holding on to paper assets and bonds and 
cash. I mean, those pretty much, you know, went close to zero. Whereas if you were holding on to like Mercedes Benz stock, now you're 10 shares priced in Goldmark or now priced in Renmark or now priced in Reichmark. So oh, that's, something too. that's very interesting. And that's something that that's a thesis that I've, you know, been pointing out for like a decade now when it comes to, you know, how this stuff is working. And so the thing is, we're not in a vacuum. Yes, that the market should be. I mean, if things weren't, you know, well, saved that. And I think there is some element of where the money comes from, like where it starts, like the, the inflation will start at the bank as debt or whatever. And then the bank or whoever that gets it from there has certain avenues that are faster for them to access mm-hmm. and leverage up. And so I see that there are nuances there, but something that you said is very interesting to me, like what are the counteracting deflationary pressures, the debt collapse of all these companies that can't survive? Well, that's one, but that's being uh, basically prevented by the Federal Reserve coming in and actually buying up corporate bonds, which is actually illegal. And it was one of the things that I pointed out in my speech, if anybody wanted to go look to it a year ago, like literally right before this happened, I had uh, the same speech that I talked about how Trump was going to lose um, and why. Now, the Trump thing was only like a one-minute thing at the end, but the whole thing was an investment thesis. And and the the quick version of this was I I was saying, listen, about half of the investment-grade bonds are one notch away from junk. Anytime you go into a recession, probably at least like 30, 40% of those are going to go from uh, investment-grade down to junk. And then what is different? this time than 2008 is that you didn't really have a lot of index funds or ETFs in 2008. It was a very, very small percentage of the market. But if you are an investment grade ETF or fund, and now the stock is, and now the company is no longer investment grade, then you are forced to sell. And then that forced selling is going to be, be get more forced selling, be more forced selling. And then it's going to end up like a Mad Max scenario. And the Fed's going to have to come in and buy up everything. And that's what I said on stage literally a month before it happened. Uh, and then so, and actually it was uploaded to YouTube. February 19th, which was actually the day before the high in the S&P 500, I believe. And right. so it's, and so then the Fed had to come in, do unprecedented actions, and they weren't even allowed to. So they created these other vehicles and had the other vehicles came in. Yes, yes, I saw bonds. that. And, and that then, is, of course, that generated commissions for BlackRock or whatever. Which and BlackRock hard. got to unload their own bullshit, yeah. like, junk bond ETFs. And get a, I'm not sure if they got commission off it, but either way, they got they got paid 100 cents on the dollar to offload stuff right. that should have been yeah, 10 cents on the dollar. So that kept things up. Another uh, big factor is demographics. Actually, probably the biggest factor is dem- well, besides money printing, is demographics. So what I mean by that is if you take a look at what uh, the like the average person, the most amount of money that they spend in their lifetime is at age 46. So that's when they've got their kids in school and they're right. spending a bunch of money and they got the biggest house and all, you know, yada, yada, yada. So if you take a look at the baby boom generation, uh, th- that's from 19, yes. I think it's 1946 to 1962 or something like that. So if you take, so if you take 46 plus 1946, you get 1992. That's right when Bill Clinton was coming into office. So he was right. the beneficiary of the baby boomers just turning 46. For, for the next, uh, you know, 16 years until we had 2008 is when that started rolling over. And, you know, because then you start getting, you know, older, you need to go downsize your home, you realize you didn't save enough for retirement, you're going to move from a 3000 3, square foot house to like a 1500 square foot house, because your kids aren't there anymore. And it's all these deflationary pressures. And not to mention most of millennials don't have any money to go, you know, buy homes. And so, uh, you know, I am actually, unfortunately, a millennial, but uh, it's... I'm a baby buster, I guess, Gen X, X I think. Or, and yeah. so I have literally put every anything I've ever saved has been inserted at the high and like I've needed it at the low. It's really, yeah. it's a, almost a joke. And we just hate the like Reagan Democrats who 
were the ones who like blew up the system in the sixties. And then when they were making money, they were just like, Oh, we need to cut taxes and blah, blah, blah. And then I don't care. I mean, I think they're, I'm an anarchist. I don't, I'm not a big fan of high taxes, but I'm just saying it was funny because as soon as it was in their interest, they had the go, go eighties and we all busted, but yeah, demographics haven't thought about that in a while. And you got that and like the monetary velocity. So like how fast the money moves around the system is, you know, pretty much at all time lows. And so if, if people are just holding on to their dollars or they're being used to, uh, you know, well, so that means probably that there's pent up inflation. There's a lot of pent up inflation, but there's also, you know, rigging by the Federal Reserve buying up the bonds. A lot of it's overseas too, because we are the world reserve currency at the time. I mean, that's that's gonna be the biggest catalyst for when things collapse when when that when that yes. eventually ends. Okay. So let's shift gears to that kind of thing, which is the monetary um what what let's let's kind of combine it with the legacy of the Trump administration where you've got an eight plus trillion dollar increase in debt. I didn't do the math. I just did it in my head or saw like a quick headline. It might be a little dated, but the, so now you have that, it's going to keep going. Like this is the new normal. It's, I guess it's a kind of modern monetary theory. There's no way to stop it. I mean, as soon as people have to understand like how the system works and it's worked it's rigged against you where like pretend we're on an island and it's only the three of us. And if I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be the bad guy. Let's say I'm the banker and uh, you know, Binkley, let's say, you know, how about, how about he's the painter from the hot tub or something. I don't know. So let's say you, let's say you want to go, yeah, you want to, yeah, you want to go and, you know, open up a painting business. And so then you come to me to go borrow I wanna money. I want to be the Russian chick. Yeah. You'd be the Russian chick. So then we give you a hundred. So, so you want to borrow a hundred dollars from me I say, okay, Binkley, here's a hundred dollars. I need it back next year. 3% interest. But wait a minute, there's 3% interest on that, but the, but we only created $100, but you owe me 103 next year. So how do you pay me $103 if the only money that exists is on the, you know, that I just gave you and assuming that our, our you know, that a Russian doesn't have any extra money that we don't know about, but it's, that's the only the money that's on the system is that $100, but you owe me 103. And so essentially that's how the system works. And I'll say, you know, works in air quotes too, is because in order to pay that back, you've got to then borrow more money and then to pay that back, you got to borrow more money and more money and more money. And so the taxes are not about paying for anything. It's just to control people, to keep everybody as slaves. And so essentially we pay taxes that then goes to paying off this funny money interest that then gets paid, that then the Federal Reserve private owners get to pay us, gets paid a 6% dividend of all of the interest of all the debt. And so the Federal Reserve gets more powerful as their size grows. And all these Trump retards were going out and saying, oh, Trump's going to go and shut down the Federal Reserve. And didn't you see that Trump is, you know, on January 17th, 2017, it's going to, and then it keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And I was calling out QAnon right from the beginning. And it's so frustrating because even my initials are TTP, trust the plan. So I'm like, ah, I'm like, I had, I'm like, I'm like I had a fake news list before anybody else. I said he was going to yeah. win before anybody else was going to be the Russians. I pointed out how he's going to lose before anybody else pretty much. And it's like, what? And then these people, instead of like, like we were with you with Q me. though. We were yeah. absolutely, neither of us fell for Q at any point. I never was a true believer in Trump. Because everyone was like, you so. must be so happy with Donald Trump and everything he's doing with the Fed. I'm like, it couldn't be worse. I mean, what he's it doing with the be. Fed. It could. And then literally now Joe Biden wants to have Jerome Powell continue on is the, is the rumor that <laughs> Dude, I'm hearing. That's a, so, that's a red flag right there. Yeah. Old boss, same as the new boss. Uh, literally. Yeah. And so it's just, I forgot what, what. Subject so, we talking no, but about. I was just, um, <laughs> as rambling. you. So 
I agree with you that the taxes are really meant for control. It feels like a kind of modern monetary theory where they just print money and they give it away. I, is it, is it true that when I heard somebody say this and I'd never heard it before, but it may be just self-evident that they actually use the fiscal stimulus, the debt spending, UBI and stuff to inject new money into the system. Is that possible? I heard like an ex fed person say that and i never understood well, i mean technically like, that money eventually makes its way to the banking system and then the banking system gets to lend it out 10 to 1 and so the real right. money that's created isn't necessarily through the fed it's i mean yeah it does come from there but then once it gets to the banking system then it's 10x from there so it's right, actually but like powell was pressuring congress to pass the debt spending and the theory yeah. was because he cannot print money fast enough if they don't keep printing Bonds. Now he's not supposed to even buy government bonds directly, but I guess that nobody notices that, right? That are they monetizing debt actively? I don't know. Yeah, even though Osama Ben Bernanke said in 2010 uh, or nine that, oh, we're not monetizing the debt, right. we're never going to monetize the debt, and then now he gets to be a board of directors of Citadel, uh, and then Janet Yellen got paid eight hundred ten thousand dollars by Citadel, and then now she gets to go investigate GameStop and gets an ethics waiver from the company that paid her almost a million dollars. And wow. I mean, who's paying her eight hundred ten thousand dollars? The woman said there's never going to be another recession in her lifetime. And she's really fucking old, too. And there still was a couple years later. Right, and then right. now she it, could gets, have, it could have just you, been a you, math problem. You want but... to know what they actually chalked it up to? To like they came like her handlers came out and said that she had a UTI. And that was why, like, her brain wasn't Are working at the time. Me? And yeah, so. I'm not a urinary tract oh, so, infection. Is that what we're yes. talking about here? So, yeah, somehow. So like a chick might be PMSing so she can't have her finger on the bomb. Like that's really where they're going. And now Democrats. she's the treasury secretary. Now, now she's the treasury secretary. With her so, finger on yeah. the button. So UTI all right. So flare up. Yeah, now, go, we go from UTI to UBI. So let's see. What... Well, they couldn't call it PMS because she's like 80. But uh, yeah. so, okay. So. There's no way out of it. There's no so the debt never stops, right? So say it's thirty trillion round numbers. It's going to keep getting bigger. What's the what's the end game? Like I I literally conceptually hit a ceiling with that. Um, well, I've got a like, fidget spinner in my hand, so you got to keep the plate spinning. And so the only way to keep the plate spinning is to keep increasing the debt because if the debt were to be balanced if the budget was balanced. I mean, there's no way of ever paying it down. So anyone that when Trump's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go pay off the debt. Right. Okay. So let's say debt, just so. balance the budget, which is what yeah, I want. can't even, can't even do that. I mean, if you do, if you I mean, you can do that, but then you'd have a Dow Jones at like 5,000 and you know, 70% unemployment. Why? And because the entire system is, is so in order to get money into the system, you have to create debt. And so there's way more debt than there is money. And so if you were to take, so as interest is coming due on this debt, you need more money to pay off the debt, but the only way to get more money is to get more debt. And so right now it's so out of control with so many things tied together that if one area were to go down, it affects all these other areas, like, uh, you know, all the derivatives and everything else. And so intertwined that the system cannot really handle like a 20% decline in the Dow because, uh, there's so much crazier today than it was in 2008. And in 2018, the market, I mean, at the, and I had a podcast, it was like six minutes long called, uh, like the short one I ever did was uh, the perfect storm is brewing. And the whole thing was the Federal Reserve at the time was, was saying that by October 2018, that they were going to be selling $50 billion of bonds a month. And I'm like, there's no way you can do that. So the largest buyer of the Federal Reserve uh, bonds were the Federal Reserve or the US bonds yeah. were the Federal Reserve. So 
there's so that's you know your largest buyer now becomes the largest seller that's not going to work your second largest was right right china. i remember when they were doing yeah that. it was china yeah. and china was we were in a trade war yeah we were in a trade war with them at the time okay yeah okay so, i didn't know if i was getting too too much of boring stuff because no i actually love that holes. that okay. was very interesting to me but um okay so then if that's never never going to stop are the interest rates never going to go up because if the interest rates go up at all you could bankrupt the system so if interest rates are always zero like i can't even think of that but like if interest rates are basically close to zero we can continue to maintain that debt yeah we basically have a you know a zombie economy right now and so there's zombie companies and the zombie company is a company that doesn't make any money and just makes enough cash flow to pay off their interest and so when you have negative interest rates or zero percent rates it's you know if you are a million dollars in debt and you're paying five percent interest and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year that's a big problem but then if you're paying 0.01 percent interest well right. it's all of a sudden not a problem so that's sort of what's going on that that we've been checkmated because we've never been able to uh you know deal with the harsh reality never been able to rip the bandit off and now it's so bad that there's no way out of it so either we Take the harsh medicine, which no way we're going to do that. I mean, Never. maybe with Dr. Ron Paul, maybe we could have, and then everything collapses, uh, or we don't do this. And, and so it, it can either be this, the system will either collapse from a deflationary spiral, which will, which will mean asset prices going down, and then they need to then pump a whole bunch of money to make it to prevent it from imploding. Then it'll be hyperinflation, or it's just going to go to hyperinflation and skip that step. So uh, it's either way, there's all roads sort of lead to that. And then once I you know realize that, I realize that the best hedge against that. Now you have to be mindful of all the risk and there's, you know, you don't want to throw all of your money into Bitcoin and uh, talk to a financial advisor and uh, I might be the only one that you can talk to that might actually know about this stuff. You guys can go to <laughs> How do people talk to you? Might as well throw it in there right now. Yeah. So they can go to my website, the libertyadvisor.com in the upper right hand corner. There's like a talk with Tim section and they can get a free 15 minute call in there. And, you know, sometimes I'll go longer, you know, if it's interesting and they're not, uh, and they, you know, we've got stuff to actually talk about and things that we can do to help them out. And pretty soon that's probably going to be going through another advisor not me because it's just been like super crazy i'm, I'm not even taking wow. any new appointments for like three weeks i can't even wow. i just like i can't even like handle like all the stuff not that i can't handle. i mean there's only so many hours yeah. in the day uh, totally so many it. things you can do and and you know i've heard, like someone like emailed me the other day and we're sort of like a dick and so i was like listen i'm the only person in the world that knows how to do this stuff so if you want to act like a dick i, I don't really I get care. to be the dick yeah okay. they're like uh sorry your free video that you put out on on your server <laughs> Uh, didn't load didn't load for me and it was it was on a bitcoin early adopter video i'm like well if your internet's not good enough for for my video then you probably aren't rich enough to work with me so uh, oh my gosh and, so, and then, the then, early then, adopter is kind of moot yeah but, so, okay so but anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have yes. another thing okay on the, on the before we move on so is there any way in your mind that in 2030 we we can still be caking the can have a Dow at 60,000, have a national debt at 70,000 or whatever. Like, is 70 there trillion. 70 trillion? 70 trillion, right? Definitely not 70,000. You know, yeah, right, right, right. Whatever. Then that would, we would actually be cavemen if that were true, which would be great. I'm all for it, but yeah. <laughs> it's over. So, but like, is there any Senate, like 10 years ago, would you have said, ah, oh, it's never going to last 10 years? I mean, yeah, I didn't think it was going to last. 10 years, but I was, I, I mean, I just, I mean, I thought the average person was really fucking stupid and, and they, but then they even, I think were dumber than what I gave, didn't even give them credit <laughs> for. 
<laughs> and the fact that nobody can figure this out uh, to the degree of how much trouble we're in, because Trump really right. just threw a monkey wrench in the system and then it pacified all the Republicans. I mean, I call them finos or freedom in name only instead of rhinos. Nice, um, nice. And so I think you've got all these finos out there who are just, you know, out there pounding their chest and MAGA, 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 and it's going to be a new day for, and the thing is like, I did more to help him win than like almost any of these people. I, I bought a signed Trump hat in 2016 before he wow. ran. So I have That's a signed so cool. MAGA and, hat. You know, uh, not to mention, but tell me if this drives you crazy. His job is not to save children from pedophiles. That's not his job. And he's not, I mean, he was paling around with Epstein. Not, not that, I mean, there's. But, but I'm just saying, like, even thing. if that's what he was going to do, even if everything Q says is correct, I don't want him doing that. I want him to not bankrupt this country. And if he wants to help the DOJ work better, that's great. If you want to get your cops to actually arrest pedos, that's great. I mean, there are mechanisms for this stuff and he didn't do any of it. And still he did all these other bad things and we were distracted by TTP. Hey, that's my, that's my initial. I know. I'm just messing with you. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, we're about to get to Bitcoin, but first I'm going to ask you, so we connected on the union of the unwanted because I was saying I was speculating that maybe they call for Trump to end the Fed and maybe he will end it, but it's not going to end. And then everybody trades in their greenbacks for gold and we start bartering in the free market and whatever. None of that was going to happen, that no. it would only it would only transition to Fed 2.0, to DigiDollars. And I'd even read an IMF blog, they have a blog page that said the way Fed DigiDollars will work is that there will be an exchange rate with greenbacks. I mean, they didn't use those terms, but an exchange rate, which means there are no more dollars. It's only digital, which means no more gray market if, with the use of cash. No, um, it's all surveillance. You get credit scores you have. You can't get your UBI without it. I mean, everything would come from that. And I've always, A, I think that's what they've got planned for us. And I think it's going to happen. And I think that's why they have to put in UBI because people need to be addicted to that money because they won't be able to get that money without the fed. And, uh, but I, but I've always been skeptical of Bitcoin because it seemed like a way to get us all into the cattle car to, to get us on board with the cashless society. Uh, I think the skip the end version of that is yes, I agree with pretty much everything you yeah, just said okay. on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's a part of me that thinks that it was made to be you know cool and try to maybe if we release the software out into the system, then you get all these you know brainiac 200 IQ people who then uh, you know are then developing this stuff for free essentially for the government, and the government can then take it or the central banks will then take it and then build on top of it. And so it's going to absolutely be digital currency will be weaponized against us. And so it can be either the most freeing thing known to man or the most enslaving thing known to man. And it's going to, everything's going to be digital no matter what Josh Sigerson talked about this yesterday on the show and it's going to be digital uh, no matter what. And so it's just whether or not you want to have the one that, that isn't tracked, that is, that, you know, can't be stopped by any central authority, or if you're going to be in the one that can be tracked, that can be stopped by central authority. Cause obviously with people like us, people listening to this, you know, we're the thought criminals where, 
you know, they're going to, you know, knock our social credit score down to nothing. They're not going to let us interact. I mean, that's why I'm looking at, you know, places where I can go buy land right now and try to grow my own food or, you know, because they're going to, you know, do things to force people. I mean, I haven't worn a mask in seven months. And actually, I wore a mask flying back from Anacapoca last year, and the TSA got super pissed off at me, which that's a whole other story. Because you they wore a mask? for that now. They now have the power to fine you. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, violation. this was for my tsa global entry pre-check interview to get global entry because i had always right. been philosophically against it i knew it was really for, yeah, of course i knew it was for you know the the uh you know people sneaking gold and silver out of the country and i knew all the stuff with james corbett in the lawsuit so i just you know didn't want to pay 80 bucks and then so finally i broke down and it figures you know i get it february 19th and now i can't fucking fly anyway so uh so i finally <laughs> so i found so after you know i was only gonna have my balls grabbed so many times by them that i finally you know just and i would wear hilly for prison shirts and opt out and i would wear you know shirts like this and just do just and they're like, do you want a private room? Like, nope, I want everyone to see me. Uh, that's oh, where, nice. You know, grew up in the uh, Hillary for Prison guy. And so it was, so I was like, I saw this other <laughs> girl. So, great. so I saw this other girl wear a mask in early February. And I'm like, oh man, what a ballsy move that is. So wear a mask like, or not wear a mask? To wear a mask. This is February. This is February of last year. Like when, like in the beginning of February. Yeah, of but you year. wanted to wear a mask? I wanted to piss off the TSA. Got it. And yeah, so yeah. I... I knew that the coronavirus was a thing back then and that I probably had plausible deniability to wear one and then use that as an excuse. But so walking up to my interview right. to get global entry, and actually I have it on a secret recording. It, I actually have, <laughs> I actually, they're like, why, why, why do you have a mask? You know who? Uh, and then they, you know, they had me take it off. They asked, are you sick? But then they didn't ask me anything else. I didn't ask, you know, where are you coming from? Business or pleasure? I'm like, Oh yeah. I was just speaking at a crypto anarchist conference with all this. So, <laughs> Uh, so in Arcapulco, ask- which was really rough that last year, right? Or was it the year before? Uh, like the uh, anarchists got killed and there was, they oh, like was shut down all flights. That was, the year it was before. two years ago. I was at both of them, but uh, I was yeah. ready to go to that one. And I just, I couldn't get my mind around like uh, not being sure able to was, connect actually yeah. that was that was a lot of fun um i'm sure it was yeah last year there was some drama there's always drama but anyways uh yeah so i wore one last year uh and then not then flew in july without one and then now haven't you know basically just worn a couple times like in june because the weird thing is like i was in i was here in arizona then flew back to new york and then as soon as i got to new york they they made masks mandatory in arizona then as soon as I, then the day i left new york they ended up banning people coming from arizona then i flew back to arizona then went to California immediately. Then the day I left California, they shut down California. So I was one day ahead of like all these like shutdowns and banning me and lock. Like it was just, it was all coincidental how things ended up playing out. And then I ended up driving over where you guys were like in Georgia to go to the Red Pill Expo because I didn't want to fly. Uh, oh, so, fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, walking the walk out here and, and, you know, refusing to wear a mask still. And the thing is, I already owned 60 N95 masks six years ago. I own gas masks. I, own, I already owned all this shit. I already had hazmat suits. And so. Because you were worried about. Yeah. Uh, shit hitting it, the fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that there could be a bioweapon. Just and a in prepper. Two, and in 2014, I dressed up as uh, Barack Ebola for Halloween, so I had an <laughs> Obama mask with an Ebola outfit. Uh, so, And I thought, hey, if I get it for that, then people might not think I'm crazy because I've got sort of a plausible deniability excuse. But So it's kind of funny because like, all these people, like I literally wore a mask before them. I owned masks way before them. And so you know, there's no way that they can. And I interviewed well, like Well, being Dr. too far ahead is really not an advantage. Oh yeah, I mean, I lost my job for being too far ahead uh, yeah, before. So. I was going to ask you if, like, you could get a regular job at this point. You couldn't, but you don't need one because you have plenty of business, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure the system, you know, probably, you know, if they want to come after anybody, you know, they'll come after some little guy like me instead of, you know, going after big hedge fund guys who are actually, you know, like right. on TV, you know, yeah, totally. talking about me. John Corzine. John Corzine. I don't know if you remember that story. Oh, yeah, with MF Global, and then he stole yeah. the money from the Greek bonds, and then he didn't even get a perp walk or anything. Didn't Nothing. Get in any trouble. And you know what? You got to wonder, MF Global, seriously? Like, I know it was I never even thought of Oh, that. my gosh. It's just like, I don't even want to know how God God's laughing at that one. All right, so let's... Let's get into some nitty gritty stuff. Let's get really into the dirt with the Bitcoin stuff. And then I'm going to make you um, defend all its premises. So, but I think as a mental break, let's talk about what is Bitcoin and if you're new to it. And I think Binkley's going to probably, he's more familiar with this stuff than I am. So like tell, all right, here's the question. I want to invest in in Bitcoin I have no idea. Should I do it right now? I I have a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. What should I do, Tim? I mean, the first thing I mean, I'll be coming out with a course pretty soon. So the first thing people should do is buy my course that is going to go through all the different reasons and ways that people because there's a lot of ways to you know kind of fall off the wagon. But when it comes to what Bitcoin is, is you know it's important to understand there's only 21 million Bitcoin. It's also important to understand that you don't have to interact always with whole units of Bitcoin. So this is something I didn't realize early on when I found out about a dollar. I didn't realize that you could, at the time, you know, if you wanted to go trade somebody $2 of Bitcoin, now today you really can't because of fees and stuff, but you can, you could send somebody $20 of Bitcoin, $5 of Bitcoin. You don't actually, you can buy $5 of Bitcoin if you want. You don't have to transact in full Bitcoin. Uh, so that's one thing I think that sometimes trips up people. And then when it comes to other cryptocurrencies, one of the main things people need to watch out for is they always are trying to compare the price to Bitcoin. But what they don't realize is they're comparing something that has 100 billion units versus something that has 21 million. They're like, oh, if this one's only 0.0 cents. And if it gets to be what Bitcoin's at, then we're going to be millionaires. Well, not realizing that one has supply is like 100 times greater than the other supply. And so that's, you know, one way people, you know, fall actually more than 100 times. But that's one way people kind of fall off this. But it's a way to transact uh, transfer something because money really is whatever you know people decide what money is and so what we have in our pocket is actually currency so the note so you have a federal reserve note in your wallet it's a federal reserve note meaning it's the federal reserves they're a private entity uh it used to say united states dollar at one point in history before 1913 and so it used to be able, some of them used to be silver notes or silver certificates uh for a brief period of time uh these to be backed by gold they used to say you know a gold note or united states gold note or even bullion gold on there and so at this point we have you know, we have currency that we call the dollar. It's not actually money. It's not backed by anything. And so with Bitcoin, it's the most efficient way to transfer something from one person to another without any third parties involved. And there's no way to stop the transmission unless, you know, you have the entire, you know, infrastructure go down, but then all of your traditional stuff is screwed too. So, uh, you know, so there, there is that argument. And I do think, you know, people should have some gold and silver on them as well, or, you know, particularly, you know, silver or ammo or other things, or, you know, if you only have a thousand bucks, I mean, you should probably go out and buy storable food first. I mean, cause you can't eat your Bitcoin. I did actually buy a thousand dollars of dried food <laughs> that last 25 okay. years. I'm sure it's disgusting, Yeah, but that's I just stuff. wanted to have it in a really good water filter. Yeah, um, too. I mean, it's just the least you can do. I'm a city girl. I'd rather have a generator around. But so I did. I do want to press you on the question of money, but that that doesn't that isn't a nitty gritty question. It's a theoretical question, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so 
on the union of the unwanted yesterday, Max Kaiser was um, hawking Bitcoin as he does. Yeah. And it was quite enjoyable. I have to say uh, it was a great, a bunch of you. I thought you were the highlight of the show, but oh, he, no, no, yeah, know. that's, that's a lot of uh, praise. Cause I was trying not to talk cause there was a lot of big time people on there. So I was trying to, I wasn't watching. Shut. I just had it in my pocket. I was like cleaning the house and cause it's on YouTube. And every time I heard something I liked, I was like, I bet that's Tim. And I would stop and I would look and it was you. So that's how I know it wasn't even my bias, but what Max was saying, I hate to refer to what Max was saying, make you answer for it, but it's very, you were referring to it there yourself, which is Max was saying, I thought he said there were four things that make money, but the traditional things for, and he was mentioning these are the store of value, a medium of exchange and a unit of account. And a store of value, he was saying it's a store of value because people agree that it is just like fiat money. But that's the weakness of fiat money. Whereas if you look at gold, now granted, its inherent value maybe isn't perfect. And maybe the the reason it's priced the way it is, is because it's actually agree. not it's actually not one of the four uh, premises of Aristotle's, uh, you know, what money is actually. Yes, gold. I was looking for that. And I did not. Fine. I didn't. I, I love. It's, it's funny because it's part of my course. I was actually looking. What at are they? Part, yeah, it's part of my course. Go I was ahead. going over this, so what it is they? on the top of my head. It is. It must be durable, portable, divisible, and have intrinsic value. Right. It's the intrinsic value. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's the one. And actually, in, in my course in the video, that is the one that I said is kind of the most uh, controversial of the of the four. So you you know rightly pointed that out. So the, you know in it that has scarcity, but that's. That's a, you know, that gives it intrinsic value. It doesn't give it intrinsic value. It gives it a value. Yeah. And it's sort of in the eye of, and I made like a bad, bad dad joke here. It's in the eye of the behodler. So, and so in, in terms of intrinsic value, I mean that I can, you know, in a world where we're going to have a social credit score, we're going to have your own risk income, you, myself, a lot of our guests, a lot of our friends, we're going to be cut off from the system and we're not going to be able to transact in the traditional system in in the future, uh, I'm not trying to manifest this, but it just, you know, unfortunately yeah. there's too many dummies out there. So reset, yeah. yeah, they're, yeah, they're already doing it, you know, whether we want to have this happen or not. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, okay, I want to still be able to, you know, put food on the table and I want to still, you know, buy things. And now I can skirt the system and I call it skirt the system, but I can get around the censorship of money by having censorship resistant money where I can send something to you that basically bypasses their system completely. And then it also pisses off central bankers. And so if it pisses off central bankers, that has intrinsic value to me because, you know, if, if they're scared. <laughs> well, that to, has value to you. It's not intrinsic value. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's sort of, uh, I mean, that's the one where it's sort of, you know, could be, I mean, really in the eye of the beholder or whatever. Okay. All whatever right. So, so but I would say intrinsic value, subjective versus objective. Uh, I'm I, saying intrinsic value is objective and yeah, that's, I think value that's the, is subjective. Question, well, and you, you could build on top of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies now that uh, gets into a whole another longer discussion. But then if you were to build stock markets and other things on top of Bitcoin, then you could yeah. argue at that point there could be intrinsic okay. value. All right. So I'll take what you're saying and I agree with it. I would say that is a small amount um, offset, and I think you'll agree with me, in the fact that physical, you know, or, or my, me as an organism, my physical autonomy, um, gold is a better money for me if I'm worried about true 
isolation because I won't have, what if I'm so isolated that I do not have access to a system, any system, elect something, anything that has to do with electricity. I'm not saying if the grid goes down, I'm just saying if you want to get hyper abstract and you want to say, this is the worst case scenario, we're bombed back into the caveman times, nuclear war. Yes, you have other problems, but it's that physical autonomy that gold will give you. Uh, and that, you know, that's the, I, I do think that's a, a minor, a, a minor consideration because the risk is very low of us being in that place. Yeah. And I do think that the risk and I, my clients, you know, as part of the portfolios, I manage them. I've got a lot of gold too. So I'm not against gold or silver. Yeah. Uh, I think that it, would be the right way to approach it. And so you look at gold as more of wealth preservation, not really an investment that, you know, a certain amount of, of, you know, ounces of gold is always bought, you know, a suit and a certain amount is, you know, is always bought, you know, historically a, a nice rifle and a, a certain amount has historically bought the same amount of barrels of oil or barrel of oil. Well, unless you count last April when oil was negative, but aside from that, it's been, I know pretty consistent in terms of, you know, it's keeping up with your purchasing power, but you know, it, it does have problems too. I mean, if you want to, you know, trans, if I want to go send you, if I want to go get on a plane, you know, theoretically and go to Anacapoco with, uh, you know, gold on me, I mean, those machines yeah. are literally developed to stop that. And so, no, yeah, I know. That, yeah. It's all set check- by that. For sure. Cross-border checkpoints. I mean, they're going to get you. You want to, you know, someone can come in and rob you and then boom, all your gold is all gone. I mean, if you want to. I did did a little math comparison that I thought would be fun. I figured out, I said, how much do they, is like kind of a rule of thumb, how much money is there in the world? You, it's widely varied, but I, I settled on $81 trillion. I don't know what money is. Is it wealth? Is it derivatives? You know, it's not that, but let's just say, say the U S is worth $20 trillion and it's a quarter of the world or whatever. I just, I saw that number thrown out. Let's just take it for what it's worth. There's 21 million Bitcoin and there are about 8 billion ounces of gold. So if all money were gold, gold would be 10,000 an ounce. If all money were Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be $4 million of Bitcoin. So that's just, you know, it's, that is, uh, the reason I did that analysis is that the unit, let's skip to the unit of account thing. And then take a look at how much gold America has and then how much, and then, and then take the, I mean, basically it would run the deficit for, I mean, depending on what month, I mean, how, I mean, last month, I mean, it only might run the government for like a month, the amount of gold that the U S has in reserves. So, I mean, it's not reserving anything. So maybe. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that Bitcoin's quite valuable if the markets, if it, if it dominates the market for money. And now just imagine, I mean, I don't know if that $80 trillion, I don't know what the exact number Mm -hmm. is probably, you know, it's probably even more than that would be my actual guess. It depends. It gets into wonky stuff of what you count and what you don't count. Uh, But let's say it is 80 trillion. I mean, that 80 trillion is going up to, you know, 200 trillion, then 500 trillion, then a quadrillion. And it's never going to end. And we're at the hockey stick. Yeah, no, I was just, because this is the question. For Bitcoin to be a unit of account, do you ever anticipate it could be a unit of account? I mean, I don't think the government's ever going to say, hey, you know, everyone is forced to use Bitcoin and we're taking, you know, Bitcoin on your taxes. I mean, I don't know if it's going to get to that point, but I mean, but but eventually in the black market. Because we do this Rockfin thing and they pay us in Ray tokens. And so our people pay and then they convert it to Ray and they give it to us. Yep. So 
I can't follow the accounting month to month because the price of the ray fluctuates so much that I really, I, I, I need them to give me more details about when somebody paid, how much they paid, when it got converted to ray, and then what happened to the ray. So I have to add an extra step in there. So if you were going to say I bought a gallon of milk, you know, if I had a company and I generated a bunch of revenue in Bitcoin during the year, if a gallon of milk was worth one Bitcoin in the beginning of the year, it's worth a thousand Bitcoin at the end of the year. It's impossible to use it for accounting. So you have to have a pretty well-defined market for it. Like the supply and the demand has to have some kind of um, regular relationship. Yeah, for people that are super serious about this, I mean, yeah, and I do agree. I mean, from the accounting standpoint, from the, I mean, that's why I don't sell it. That's why I just, you know, just hold on to it. But it's, uh, and then a couple of times I did sell it. Like I've always, like I donated last year. There was a, an auction for free Ross last year at Aaron and Kingsley's, well, at his mom's house. And so I ended up paying like a, one Ethereum for it at the time. It was like 200 bucks. And then now it's like, oh shit. Now it's like, I basically have like a $1,600 memento. So it's like every time I've yeah. like spent oh, something wow. on so that, Yes. And just, just since like literally since July. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you, that is a, certainly a valid concern and one of the reasons why. I mean, that's why I also advocate that people can do it for long term inside of Roth IRAs and they have tax free gains. They don't have to worry yeah. about buying and, and selling so what the taxes I'm, are. And, and it's really gets gets then to the last thing, which is: is it still is it really a medium of exchange if you dare not part with it? Well, you dare not part with it because it's you know the most valuable thing that you that you own, in, and so that's why you don't part with it. And so, but the thing is with your you know regular dollars, like who cares about that? It's just leave. It's just you know it's going to decrease in value over any given time. And so you want to get rid of your dirty feet. Right, right. You Agreed. Hold on totally. to things. Yes. So you want to hold on to things that are going to be going up in value. But you know, if there are people in the ecosystem that want to get paid in Bitcoin, you know, I'd want to, and I'm starting to get better about this now. I you know I would you know you know, trade things for, for Bitcoin and things like that, but I've never have cashed it out uh, ever. Or can so, you use a different coin if you want to use it for exchange or what is lightning? Uh, I mean, lightning and that gets, now we can start getting into the, I mean, maybe I can back the, so lightning network is a, I'm trying to figure out how without sounding like super geeky. So it's, it, it probably should back things up into some of the more nefarious things and like the Bilderberg connections to Bitcoin and some of the NSA yes. connections to Bitcoin. And then maybe then that can then lead into what Lightning Network is. In my yeah, opinion. I'm a little skeptical because of the mysterious backstory and because of how successful it is. Yeah. So the NSA had a white paper in 1996 called How to Make a Mint, the, Cryptog the Cryptography of Anonymous Electronic Cash. And uh, one of the authors was David Chom. I've, I've met him. And the other one was Tadasuki Okamoto. So it sounds a lot, lot like, like, like Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah. Uh, and so that was the NSA's uh, own paper that they came out with and that they published. You could find on their own website. So then you then fast forward to, um, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, the propaganda report probably know what the Bilderberg group is. But for those who don't, it's, you know, it's the most secretive group that we know about that meets every single year with all, you know, the who's who of, you know, royalty and, you know, CIA directors and, you know, all the most powerful people in the world. And you know, they denied that it existed. Anyways, the uh, I think the six-time steering committee guy, I'm not at, at the time he was the head of the steering committee, was this guy named Henry DeCastries. Well, Henry DeCastries uh, also was the head of a company called AXA, which I, I just happened to piece all this stuff together because the first company I ever interviewed for was AXA. AXA yeah, I remember. It was an insurance French. company that bought the bank I worked for. 
Yep. And so AXA then, uh, I forgot the year. It might've been like 2000. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't remember the year. It's like 2012, 13. Let me see if I can go look it up. But it's, they invested into this company named Blockstream and block, like, like we're not talking like some money, we're talking like $70 million uh, into Blockstream, which was like almost like their entire budget. And now Blockstream then funds the Bitcoin core developers. And so we're not talking like a thousand leaps here and like some like big board of like all these different connections. We're talking literally the guy that runs Bilderberg, his company paid Blockstream $70 million to then pay the Bitcoin core developers. And so then in 2017, uh, around August, 2017, there was this Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash hard fork. And what went on was there was one camp of people that said, uh, cause they realized that when you, when nobody's using Bitcoin, it's not really a problem. So in the early days it was not congested. Nobody was using it. So like you have a six lane highway and nobody lives in your town. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, a million people are in your town. Well, then your six lane highway might not be big enough. And so one group said, Hey, let's just make it a little bit bigger. Instead of being one megabyte, let's just make it two megabytes or four megabytes or eight megabytes and still not a big deal. And another group said, no, we want to take some of the data here, rearrange it over here, do this big clusterfuck and move everything around, then spit something out and we call that Bitcoin. And they basically had this whole chasm where they were never going to be able to decide. Basically, both groups were at loggerheads and and it was like a death match that neither neither was going to waver. And what ended up happening was the... uh, in late 2017 the bitcoin cash people said you know said listen we're gonna basically they they forked off and bitcoin cash you know they said okay we're just gonna make the block a little bit bigger and the other group said you know we're gonna do this whole gigantic clusterfuck segwit thing of every all this crazy stuff and then to make a problem so problem reaction solution so then the so then now the core developers in from Blockstream are creating Lightning. That means that then they end up making money from it. So then they created a problem. So then now you build this other layer. So let's say the three of us, you know, we're on our island again. We've got the Russian over here. We've got the, the painter. And uh, and all of a sudden, you know, I need to go pay the Russian for something. And uh, we decide that we create this, uh, this channel. So we open up a channel. Maybe we each put in $500 into the channel uh, and, we say, okay, instead of, or maybe let's be each put a thousand dollars because, uh, anyway, yeah, so we each put a thousand dollars into this channel. And now we, instead of like actually having the transaction go on the Bitcoin network, we just sort of interact in our own little ecosystem and it costs next to nothing theoretically because we're not actually settling up. And then eventually, let's say a year from now, we want to settle up. Then we then go on to the regular Bitcoin blockchain and then we then settle up. And I'm not necessarily an expert on this subject, but it seems to me that there was this problem reaction solution where these people deliberately created a problem to fuck things up and then knew about this having for years, then created lightning that they were going to make money from as a solution. But then eventually what that channel is going to eventually be, and I sort of, you know, I did hint on this, but in the, uh, in the debate yesterday, or, or not really debate, but in the show that <laughs> I'm like, well, what I think is going to happen is that the lightning channels are going to end up being the banks down the road. Or it's going to be oh. illegal to have. Or it's going to be illegal to have your own thing, but you know, but Tone Bays and Max Kaiser, they've have their own. Uh, you know, they're they've got their own shit that they need to go say. I mean, I was on an email. Well, they're not going to go down that road because it doesn't serve their narrative. Which I'm not saying they're inauthentic. I'm just saying. Yeah, and at the time, I didn't really have a dog in the fight because I was still like yeah. just getting in when and it wasn't like that invested yeah. into it when uh, all this is going down. But it seems philosophically that Bitcoin Cash actually is more like bitcoin than bitcoin which you know might sound crazy to people but 
it's from an investment standpoint. I mean, I wasn't saying that it was going to be a better investment because Bitcoin is the brand name. And so the average person isn't even buying and selling it. They're just they're just holding on to it or they're selling it on Coinbase and they're not actually transacting it and they're not taking their phone out, doing a QR code, blipping it and having it go somewhere else. And so until you actually do that and realize how it actually works and what the problems are, uh, people can lose sight of what's going on. But, you know, I think that it was very disingenuous for both Tone and Max yesterday, like, oh, I've never paid five dollars. Like, yeah, bullshit. You guys never. Yeah, paid that $5. was a little. The first bit time we had to transfer our Rockfin money before I knew anything about this. First of all, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And so then tell them I... what it is. Do you do Rockfin, Tim? No, I'm not not on Rockfin. Yeah, you, have, I don't know you have to do Ethereum and then something else. I don't know what. Yeah, so it's, it's like with the, ERC Ray coin is built off of Ethereum, is what yeah. they say. And then we got to transfer. We got to transfer to Ray, and the trans there's there was at least two transaction fees. It might have been three transaction fees that we had to pay before we could actually transfer it into dollars. Yeah, and the Ethereum network is super clogged right now. So you had to go from Ray to Ethereum, then from Ethereum to Fiat, and then yeah. that was the. Uh, and it was well over five dollars yeah yeah i mean i tried doing a metamask ethereum thing yesterday and i didn't even end up doing it because it was gonna be like a hundred dollars for something i'm like well screw that i don't need i don't need that that bad uh and then whatever that was probably went up a bunch in value and i'm like oh shit shit." yeah so it's just you know but it's that would have gotten into like super super inside baseball and a lot of things and with those two being like celebrities up there bitcoin only guys right but you're not a bitcoin only guy right no, but and with that said, I mean, most of my crypto holdings are Bitcoin, like probably 85%. Right. So, Why? I mean, it's not like I'm against Why? it, but... Because they're going to win the crypto war. Yeah, because it's sort of like the brand name. So, if you're just getting into it, right. you know, most people, I mean, especially three years ago, didn't even know that crypto existed, let alone uh, that Bitcoin existed. And then they get into the system. And the first thing they're doing is buying Bitcoin. But then you see people that are buying like whatever right. tiny... So. You know, so is Bitcoin, is the vision with Bitcoin that it competes with government run money for a share of the market for money? And that, and the way Max and Tone were talking, Bitcoin alone will be that money because you can't have a virgin birth twice, which makes no sense to me. Like, why couldn't another crypto just be finite? The only thing that Bitcoin has that makes it unique in that future is that. So is the idea that Bitcoin will have a large market share in the world demand for money? Is that the, the expectation or, or a monopoly on money? Yeah, no, and that's a, a great uh, $800 billion question of where uh, Bitcoin is right, right about now. So it's now I think when it comes to as an alternative to money, I do think Bitcoin is going to be the one that ends up winning the day for money. But the thing is, not all of them are trying to be money. So like Ethereum, for instance, oh. uh, there's different things that you can do. So imagine instead of going and having I broke my phone the other day, but, you know, you go and look, I got two of them. So you go and you take your phone and yeah, it's my daughter's phone. That's five. She doesn't need it. So that's why it's like a pink purple case. <laughs> but uh, you, you go and you uh, <laughs> go and uh Unless say you go to the app store and then the app store, you know, kicks you off of your parlor, the kick or kick us off if we try to make our own app that's gonna be freedom oriented. Now imagine if you could bypass them and then have a cloud computing network that's decentralized that then you can build an app on top of this other network. So something like Ethereum isn't really even trying to solve what money is. They're trying to do other things. And actually Ethereum is what actually got me more interested in the crypto space than even Bitcoin because mm. I realized, oh wow, there's more stuff you can do with this. Like you can build like a stock market on top of it. You can do now there's other what I call like plat 
platform cryptocurrencies like cloud computing type networks. And so, you know, sort of when I, you know, make a portfolio for people, I, there's a certain amount I want to like privacy coins, a certain amount to these platform type operating system coins. And then in terms of money, I think Bitcoin is sort of won the day for money in terms of like a, it's, it's, it's morphed into digital gold. It started off as electronic cash. The white paper was called peer-to-peer electronic yes, cash. Yes, I understand okay. now what yeah. I was struggling with. I don't think it, it seems like they were saying it's not a medium of exchange. And there is no chance it's going to be a unit of account until it stabilizes price-wise. But although I do not think it has inherent value, it is a store of value for the same reason that fiat is and and max is right about that it's not that it's not the guns or even the taxes it's just the acceptance of fiat as money that gives it that value and the fact that it's scarce that it's defined by a a single entity so i buy all of that i uh the one thing i that continues to make me wonder is it, is it not unconstitutional to have money that isn't um, br- isn't minted by the government? Like how how come there the government allows it? It's kind of like the way Ubers started to compete with taxis in New York City. It's like I lived in New York City my whole life. They would charge you a thousand dollars. They would take you away in handcuffs if you didn't stop doing that. And they're like, well, we can't keep up. And it's like that's complete crap. You see people. I mean, there are cops on every corner. You can't see them, but they're there, or their cameras are there. They can absolutely bust you night and day, and they did not because they wanted it for some reason. And I just. I don't understand. So uh, the Bitcoin thing, when they say, well, Janet Yellen wants to regulate it or rein it in or whatever, that's when I fear that it's going to get morphed in. But I mean, you can want to all, all day, but, you know, wanting to do something and doing something, you know, are two different things. And so, um, you know, to I mean, what they want to do is to have. Uh, you know, kind of skipping to the end game over here is that, and this is actually what Facebook's Libra was trying to do. And I actually predicted it the day before there, I did a little walk and talk with my dog at the time. And I, <laughs> and I, and I called it, uh, will Facebook's Libra be the new special drawing, right? And this was the day, this is before the, yeah, yeah. Listed it. And? Is, and, and then now there's an article from Facebook saying we're trying to be the special drawing, right? I'm like, oh, fucking nailed wow. it again. So uh, that's so, the new money. This is like fascism. So what they're trying to do with, so what the special drawing right is, and let's kind of back that up, is that the IMF has International Monetary Fund. And then again, the International Monetary Fund actually acts like a bank. The World Bank acts like a fund. The Federal Reserve <laughs> isn't federal and isn't reserving anything. Right. So all these terms mean absolutely nothing. But the IMF, they have a currency called the special drawing right. And then the Bank of International Settlements is actually the central bank of all the central banks. It's its own, it's its own country in, um, in Switzerland. Like I said, Zurich, Switzerland. So it's like the Vatican wow. own countries. So nobody can go. They were the ones funding the Nazis. They got 80% of their funding. Switzerland is definitely. 80% of their funding zero. in World War II came from the Reich, <laughs> came from the Reich Bank, aka the Nazis, and they were paying in gold, aka gold they took from Jews' teeth and things like that. And so, and then there was Americans. Uh, Thomas McKittrick was running it in America, and uh, well, it was the I think second in command, and he was then I think went on to go work for J.P. Morgan Chase. You know, go figure. And so you literally had Americans who were helping funding the Bank of International Settlements that we call the BIS, while at the same time fighting the Nazis while then George Bush's, you know, grandpa, you know, Prescott Bush Prescott, were then also yeah. funding. And then there was other, you know, on the other side of his family were helping fund the Nazis as well with like Brown Brothers Harriman's and things like that. But anyways, I digress. Oh, so the, the mother. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have the, uh, 
so then you have the special drawing rate, which is about, I'm just going off memory right now. It's about 43% the dollar, 50% of the dollar. Then you've got maybe 30% the Euro. Then you've got a little bit of the renminbi and the right. yuan and some other currencies sprinkled in there. And so it's a, so the banks are still, so what you're going to do is we'll probably have our digital dollar first. Then eventually that digital dollar will then get wrapped up into a supranational currency, which will still yes. have our dollar, but then the dollar will then represent a certain basket of currencies on the world stage. And then, uh, and that's sort of what Libra was doing. And now they, they've called it something else. I think it's like DM or something. I'm surprised um, they didn't, it wasn't Amazon who did that. Well, I think that they were getting too big for their britches yeah. with uh, with Facebook, and that the, that Mark Zuckerberg got too far ahead of himself with that was my guess, and and why that didn't get, uh, you know, why that didn't end up, you know, going through. I mean, it's still being worked, but the, the central banks are the ones who want to control that, and so you can go on the BAS website, you can go on see the Federal Reserve talking about this, Bank of Japan talking about this, I mean, and Bank of Japan is literally having fascism right now, and for the past five <laughs> ten years, where they just take a keyboard out of thin air print up money and then use that money to literally buy up their own stock market. Uh, like not even a conspiracy theory. Like they just admit it. Like they're the, the biggest owners. And how does it work for them? So their, uh, you know, their stock market has been propped up by, I mean, it's basically fascism when you have the government owning the corporations. I mean, that is, but then, you know, Oh, orange man, bad. He's the fascist, but then the federal reserve can come in and buy up the bonds of like Hertz rental car and all these other bullshit companies, which is also fascism. So it's, um, I mean, it's they've been zombified for the past twenty right. years over there in Japan. And does but, it result in just no growth, or what's the feeling on the ground? No opportunity. Well, I mean, the stock market. I mean, the, I mean, in Japan, you've got more, uh, you know, elderly people shitting in diapers than than babies. Yeah. I mean, literally, there's more of wow. a market for adult diapers than babies wow. because what you, what you're doing is you are, uh, you know, when people are poorer, then you know they're not going to have be they're less likely to have children. And then, it, and then even like right. in Italy, the births are way. Right, 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 right. I have a friend, good friend in Switzerland, uh, not Switzerland, not Switzerland, Sweden. At the BIS. No. And, and her, when she came over here, she was just like, we don't, there's, everyone is in the middle. There's just, we all have tacos on Wednesday. We have wine on Fridays and Saturdays. We work this amount of time. This is when we have our kids. We're Swensons, Svensons, whatever she calls them. That's it. And there's no, the goal just, is to make everybody poor. The goal is to bankrupt everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, to break like your lower legs. middle class. I feel like it's not, not poverty. They want people to, to go to work, but they, you can't have surplus. They want to keep then, you busy enough in the rat race. Right. So that way you That's don't where the taxes to, come in. Yeah, they, they want to make sure that you don't, aren't thinking about these other subjects. Cause if you know, you're completely, you know, you know, not really doing anything. And when I first started off, you know, I wasn't making any money. I was, you know, had to be a commissioned salesman selling yeah. financial stuff the day the market, I literally, my first day on the job was a day Lehman Brothers crashed. It's a terrible <laughs> Oh my gosh. So wow. here I am, so here I am 22 years old, you know, really shy and trying to have to convince people to give me their Whoa. life savings after they just lost 50%. So, and it was super, uh, you know, nerve wracking because it's like, you need to bring in this amount of money every month or else you're going to lose your job. So it's like three wow. years in a row. But it was like, worth barely, it. Because it's yeah. tournament theory where you expect to get the big payoff at the top. But if you can't ever get the payoff, why show up? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I mean, only 5% of people end up making it. And my parents had right. me at 19 and 20. So it's not like I came from some like rich trust fund thing. Oh my God. You know, my mom wow, was like, that's crazy. I got Pizza Hut and my dad was, you know, uh, you know, working at a grocery <laughs> store. So it's not like I was some trust fund baby that had a dad that just, you know, gave me like, oh, here's $5 million. No, so you had to eat what you killed. Yeah. Cause most of the people who make it, you know, their dad was in the business or they came from a bunch of money or they're already 50 years old. And then they end up, right. uh, you know, getting business through their contacts. So it was, was definitely t- 
tough. I mean, it's never really easy. Yeah. You don't even, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't, I'm the youngest of nine. My dad was a truck driver and I became an investment banker and I literally did not know how to dress. Like the other girls would make fun of me. Like we know it's you because your stockings are like whatever, tan instead of blue. I don't know. But they would just laugh at me and I didn't know. I had no idea. It's really a disadvantage. But so, so here I am wondering how to benefit from your uh, honesty, experience, and wisdom. And Binkley's always saying about the, uh, like, what do you do? What, what did you, you've been following the Dogecoin thing. Like, what do you, should we all go buy Dogecoin right now, Tim? <laughs> or Ethereum? Uh, or what should we buy? What, what do you want us to do right well, now? As a uh, licensed financial advisor, I can't really go out and say and buy anything for compliance reasons. But right, you, know, you okay. do your own research. I don't own any Doge, which I, you know, sort of unfortunate given what's, given what's happened. It was one of those things where it was going to be like a high, like, fee to do something. I'm like, ah, screw it. I don't want to do it. What do you own? I mean, what mainly, crypto do you own? Seventy five percent Bitcoin, and then yeah, what else? Probably, yeah, I got yeah, mainly Bitcoin, then some Ethereum, uh, some <clears throat> Monero, uh, but that's more of like a longer term type play when they eventually, you know, ban all of cash. Uh, you know, so I'm looking at some of these like decentralized exchanges right now. So now they have exchanges that run by themselves off a of protocol without like any sort of you know, like Coinbase or any sort of like entity in the middle of it. So there's different, and they've exploded a lot. So you might need to be careful, but there's stuff like, uh, you know, Uniswap and TrustSwap. And which actually, I don't own any TrustSwap because the fee was going to be high and I, I need to, I need to. Uh, SushiSwap was another one recently, but there, there's some of the, you know, some other like little smaller ones uh, that I have gotten. And I'm not saying to go out and go and invest in these. I mean, you need to go do your own research. If you're just getting into it now, I would probably start with Bitcoin and then Ethereum. Uh, and then do a lot of research for the other ones and, and talk with an advisor uh, to see what, because it, and also it depends, you know, if you're 65 years old and you're just about to go retire, that's going to be a different conversation. I've got different strategies for people and, and not, and I'm managing money for people who are, you know, I've, every single client now has, of mine has Bitcoin. Everyone has gold, everyone has silver, but I didn't really get super aggressive on that until, you know, really, you know, probably you know, right after, you know, I, I, you know, probably pretty much around like Christmas time. And that's when I realized, and then, then as the insurrection thing was going down, I was like, all right, at that point, the Democrats are going to be able to get everything through that they yeah. want. There's no stopping them. And, and I was hurry. like, you know, I'm just going and buying, uh, you know, as much stuff so, as I can. Why did Bitcoin respond to that better than gold? Gold is high, but, but gold normally is the place where the flight to value. It seems like Bitcoin got way more of that juice i mean almost none of the you know i mean no millennials really going out and buying buying gold i mean no millennials i mean no you know gen z's really going out and buying gold just the perception of the insurance value of the of the um counter cyclicality and all that the perception that i can go walk on a plane and have you know X Got amount it, of right. whatever dollars but i can't go walk on a plane with a bar of gold if i want to or uh, right and then, you know, how easy it is, the, you know, it's, 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 and then also so it has superior attributes. I mean, then look at the, I forgot, I think about 2% of the Bitcoin or not Bitcoin of, of the gold supply is mined every year. So if you divide what's like the rule of 72, so you take 72 divided yes. by two, you got 36 so every 30. So by the time that I'm retirement age, uh, you know, basically the supply of gold will have been cut in half. Whereas the supply of Bitcoin uh, you know, 18 million out of the 21 million are already out there. I mean, almost 19. And then of that, about four have already been lost. And a lot of people have already been, Wow. Uh, and then a lot of people, wow, 
are not even, are just a lot of people are just long time holders. So they're not even going to be trying to sell. Uh, maybe maybe to live a little bit off of you know peeling a little bit off here and there. And that's actually was then- my first. Yeah. Okay. What's your first? Oh, my, my first foray into all this was with Ernie. I was at his house and right around the time of Bitcoin Cash hard fork. And he's like, hey, uh, you know, we got a bunch of rich crypto guys here. And this is when I was at like 2000 or 3000. So, I mean, they're a lot richer now. Uh, you know, how do they get their money from the real world to the, or from the digital world to the real world without getting killed in taxes? So long story short, I found out all these different ways where using my knowledge of the traditional system of where you can put money into different types of trusts and bypass capital gains and, and get paid income stream from it. And, basically make everyone except for the IRS better off. And so obviously a lot of people didn't like that, which then, uh, you know, I was supposed to speak at Anarchapoco three years ago. And then the company I was with said every advisor in America is banned from this. is and The thing that sucked is this is right before Bitcoin took off. I was working on all this stuff, spent thousands of hours trying to build a business out of this. So I spent my money trying to build a business and not investing in the Bitcoin. Then the Bitcoin goes through the roof out of nowhere. And then my company that I was working for, uh, I wasn't even working for them. I was an independent contractor, mm-hmm. uh, LPL. Uh, they decided to then ban every advisor in America from talking about Bitcoin right before I was supposed to be talking about wow, Bitcoin. Wow. So then I ended up losing a six-figure residual income for talking uh. about Bitcoin. And then my you know wife at the time, then her parents were like, you know, he must be a, some in sort of trouble because why would anybody ever do this? And and you need to go divorce him. And now I'm divorced oh and I'm losing God. the house. And, all. and so I, I ended up, I have paid, I have paid a lot, a heavy price for doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, so but you take yeah. risks and if you, I mean, that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, you really have to, and I am not a risk taker at all. Yeah. I mean, so then, I mean, so I mean, I, like I, you know, I finally, like for the first time in my life was like finally making money from like not making anything the first like 10 years I was in business. And so like, I needed to like make up for lost time. And then I lost my job in the state of Arizona, then wouldn't reinstate me because they wouldn't like give get like have my fingerprints clear, even though I'd never been in any trouble at all and never had anything on my U4, never had any, any hmm. single complaint, which for all the crazy shit that I say and the fact that no one ever complained <laughs> about me, I know, I mean, that's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty crazy yeah, that's uh, in and of itself. And so, yeah, so I took a, you know, a lot of hits to do what I'm doing now, but now I'm able to do for the people that got rich, I can do different trust. And it's not even just off Bitcoin, but that's one of the things. Uh, and then, or if you want to get into it, we can do different types of like crypto IRAs and things like that, where you can have part of your retirement going into it. And I, and I, I wondered about that. And there's people that I turn down all the time because of people that shouldn't just be in it, like people that have no idea what they're doing. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be responsible for like, and I have to turn them away because I think they just aren't educated enough. So I'm not just you know, willy nilly, just trying to make money, just having everybody doing this at probably be a lot better off if I was, but in the long run, you know, that will come back and get you. So, uh, you know, trying to do things the right way, but I still have people that, you know, are doing things traditionally, or if someone doesn't want a lot of Bitcoin or gold, uh, you know, I can, you know, work on that too. So I have different portfolios that depending on what people's knowledge base is and their Bitcoin, I still worry about the, if it's not a practical medium of exchange because people are going to buy it and hold it and, I mean, is it or is it not? Like, because ultimately then what, where is the value coming from? Just for very large transactions, it's like well, if it's, well, if it's supply and demand, if you're buying it and getting rid of it, then then you're increasing the supply on the market. And then that would be a, a driver to bring the price down. So if you're buying it and holding it and then more people now want to buy it, but not yeah. as many people are selling it, then all things being equal through a supply and demand equilibrium should then have the price go up, you know, you know, just all things remaining constant. Um, and so it's better to have money that's deflationary for a long time. American currency yeah, was deflationary. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Absolutely. up until, I mean, after the Civil War, I mean, it was, def- I mean, one of the biggest boom times in American history was during a deflationary. Uh, but the problem is, since the money's backed by debt, it can't be deflationary because the entire system would implode. I have a whole video on this that is be better just watching that video. It's kind of short. It's called, uh, Yeah, I do like Why the 19th century stuff because you see how before the Fed wages maybe were real wages say were flat but the prices of things went down which they would because things get cheaper to be made and then it's very obvious that when the 1971 was the was the big moment where when we completely got off the gold standard in 1971 where if you take a look at the productivity gains versus uh you know and versus wages i mean they were pretty constant throughout history then all of a sudden 1971 you know the you know the uh, productivity is going like this while the wages are basically stagnate and all the basically gains went to the top you know point and you know percent of people would have turned around and realized that and put a lid on it and went back to the gold standard and you know who saved it who saved fiat money ronald reagan like i always think that like i loved i loved him yeah, but he Nixon, saved yeah. it with yeah, it's, Volcker. It's, and what's also funny is Nixon got us off the gold standard, and my birthday is my birthday is the same day as Nixon. And the and the uh, the the first day where you could actually download Bitcoin uh, to run Bitcoin was actually also my birthday. So it's kind of funny <laughs> that here I am, like as this guy that's trying to like fight, fight the financial system and Reagan right. or not Reagan, the but red Nixon letter got dates. us off of this. So it's just I think it's. And, it's, and also the blog Zero Hedge was also created on the same day too, which is my favorite blog. Can you tell us our birthday? Your birthday now? I could just look up Nixon's birthday. Yeah, no, it was January 9th. So was, uh, that's the day that Bitcoin software client was available for download, um, which is also It's a, it's a yeah. banner day in, in U.S. financial but history. People don't really realize, I mean, people will give credit to Bitcoin being born either on like the 30, I think it's like Halloween. And then also January 3rd was when the first transaction was made. But then to actually use it to download it was January 9th, uh, 2009. So, and, and so this also, you know, chronicles, like I started my career the month before Bitcoin was the white paper came out and sort of wish, uh, you know, I was four years younger because I probably would have been all over it if I was, in, yeah. if I was in college. Uh, well, is it too late for us? Absolutely. I, mean, me? I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you probably want a dollar cost average and not put everything in all at once. So, right. you know, if you want to put in 50 bucks a week or a hundred bucks a month or do some sort of constant thing where it's just set it and forget it is the best way always. Cause that way, if it crashes tomorrow, then okay, you're only a hundred bucks. Right. Deep and and how's the best way to do that? Like, can I just do it on my E-Trade account or you can't, right? Not necessarily on E-Trade, but there's, you know, you can go on apps like Coinbase and say, hey, I want to buy it every month or every week or every day. And Cash App has, you know, similar type deal. So that's what you do, Bankly, right? We have I mean, Coinbase, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like endorsing it, but it's just, it's an easy on-ramp It's just a platform. People. I was just wondering, I mean, that is how ignorant I am. I really do not know how to do it. Yeah, so I mean, it's and it is relatively easy now to onboard. Where back in the day, it was like super hard. I mean, you couldn't just go type in how to buy Bitcoin in 2010 and just go willy nilly, just go get it. You had to go on the on the Silk Road, and then you had to go mm-hmm. find something. I, mean, I never did this because uh, uh, I just wasn't into it at the time. But I mean, but I do know like the founder of Silk Road's mother, and I'm friends with her and talk to her all the yes, time. Yes, I want to talk to her, Lynn Albrecht. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you need, I mean, if you need me to get you in touch with her, I do. I really, um, PQ also offered, I absolutely must talk to her, but I was wondering, 
that I read an article not that long ago that the DOJ said that they confiscated a billion dollars worth of Ross's Bitcoin. Well, now it's and, like four or five billion, but yes. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and is that possible? Because people say, no, no, you're misunderstanding it. But they, it, the two articles I read was one that they confiscated it. And the second was that they later, after they confiscated it, sued to own it, which I thought was outrageous that they confiscated it before they had the right well, the but, thing is, Ross wasn't the only person who was running the Silk Road. And at the time, there was other people who had administrative access to the site. And so when he was actually in a cage at one point, there was people who were acting as Dread Pirate Roberts, which was the screen name that he was using while he was in a cage with having no Internet. So how does he how is he the guy running Silk Road if it's running when right. he wasn't even there? And so there was government agents involved. This is not conspiracy theory. Oh, I know. Anyone, the story, I think go to yeah. freeross.org and you oh my can gosh, watch Railroad. Crazy. And, I mean, I knew a lot about it. And then I watched this Railroad and I'm like, wow, there's so much I don't know about it. But oh. I've, stayed, I've stayed at Lynn Albrecht's house. Like I've, I know her very well. And so, like, I probably see her once a month. She lives in not too far away. Yeah, from me. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and also lives in Arizona because Ross is uh, is over here, but she can't even visit him because he's, uh, you know, because of quarantine and coronavirus oh bullshit. God. So, it, so that really sucks. And it's very unfortunate that. And we actually, I was able through a friend of a friend to actually. Uh, you know, get a hold of my, uh, all things crazy of Mike Lindell to try to throw a hail mary to him to try to have him convince Trump to free Ross. That would then, be great. No, we no, yeah, too fucking late now because Donald Trump was a bitch and then decided that he was, you know, his name was on the list to be pardoned, and then him and three other people got taken off. So you can imagine who the other people were, like Assange. Uh, and so he was on a you list know, to be pardoned and it was a DOJ. Cause I mean, I know her, so I know like the inside baseball, all this stuff and it's, and he was, and he was sympathetic to it, but you know, at this point, Donald Trump can go fuck himself. And I do not care at all about him. Everything I did to help him out that he was too much of a pussy to do the right thing. So at this point he's dead to me and any, any, I mean, I don't care if they get him railroad him and, you know, I've defended him a lot, but at this point, since he didn't have the courage to do the right thing, that he is absolutely dead to me. Uh, Cause now Ross, you know, there's a good chance he's going to rot in jail for the rest of his life. And granted, I'm, I'm not saying that he's, uh, you know, some angel and that he didn't do anything wrong. And that, you know, as what an anarchist, did he do wrong? as an anarchist, I don't think he did anything wrong, but as yeah, a, right. in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of the government, uh, I mean, if he was going to get, I mean, I'm not naive to think that doing what he was doing was going to get, you know, that he was going to get off scot-free, but I thought it was going to be like a five-year type deal, not double life plus 40, higher prison sentence than El Chapo, higher prison sentence than just about anybody for a nonviolent first offender. But it's getting back to your question. There were other people in there, and it was one of the other people stole the Bitcoin from Ross because it wasn't secured right, and so Ross didn't even have it, and it was this other guy, and oh. there was other government agents involved, and so it was that other hacker who I think they had tracked him down, and that he basically gave it up before he was going to end up like Ross. He because- gave it up. Yeah, I think that he proactively went to them and said, "Hey, here it is." And right. there was so other they didn't Bitcoin. hack it. They didn't. Crack no, they didn't. It. No, they, they didn't, didn't ha- steal no. it. Oh, they sort of stole it, but yeah, they didn't. No, uh, they definitely stole it, but I mean, they they coerced it out of somebody. And this is like, and this is just like scratching the surface, and I'm doing a terrible job explaining it. But no, yeah, I, you answered the question. Yeah. I was wondering if they defeated the system, and they did not. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Bitcoin not. security. And at the time, too, I mean, it wasn't like a billion dollar thing. So, I mean, at the time, you know, it's worth like, you know, a couple dollars of Bitcoin. And then, you know, it yeah, wasn't right. like it was like a gigantic, I mean, it was a big heist, but it wasn't but it's been like sitting there. earth shattering heist. Yeah. And so, 
Uh, yeah, so it's very, I mean, this guy's paid with them stealing the billion dollars, which is now four or five billion. I mean, that guy's paid done more to pay down the debt or anybody else in the, anybody <laughs> else in the freaking more than Bezos or any of these guys. I want to <laughs> tell you, and yeah. you can tell, you know, I completely agree with you with the Trump thing. And you know what? I've been doing a lot of work to, um, to shine light on the election fraud. And you have a good point though, because what I, and I do not defend Trump as you've heard, but I was saying the entire time since the day I learned about Ross, that if Trump pardoned Ross, I would never say another bad word about Trump for the rest of my life. I said the same thing. And I know a bunch of libertarian influencers who all said the same thing, that they would get their people and galvanize him. And they should have did it before the election. Fine. Uh, But you know what? He didn't. He's obviously, you know, is proving that he does not have the political acumen. And because people like want to think that he's a God that just knows everything. That's all he would have had to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I tried, I mean, I had to burn a lot of political capital to get to Mike Lindell. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I mean, I don't know how much, and then, then who, and then, then to think then I didn't realize at the time, Mike Lindell was going to be the main guy to try to convince Trump to stage like this military. Oh, really? Sort of, no. Cause you know, the, my pillow guy was the guy who ended up um, doing all the, uh, who was meeting with Trump the day before, like, like, and then had like the thing, you know, where they were zooming in, we're talking about like having the military coming in to, but yeah, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, we're like living in the simulation where the my pillow CEO guy is trying to convince the president <laughs> to stage a coup. To then, I we've mean, been talking crazy. a lot about him because we're really on top of the election thing. And a good friend of ours is um, the Georgia election integrity activist that Mike had on his most recent kind of expose, comprehensive expose. So, but you know, there were some things that I thought were a little fishy about that whole thing but anyway i don't i we have kept you way too long but i want to make sure that binkley has i have a lot i'll never get to any of it really like, sorry i was <laughs> waiting for you to jump in man you gotta be a little more aggressive with but what do you like what how does uh tesla's 1.5 billion dollar investment that he did into bitcoin today and tesla's going to be accepting bitcoin as currency now how does that affect everything that we've been talking about I mean, I think it's just a sign of things to come. And the thing is, he didn't just buy it yesterday. So that's when they announced that they had bought yeah. it. And so this is you no, know, so if he would have went and bought a billion dollars and a half in one fell swoop, I mean, it probably would have taken it up to, you know, like a hundred thousand or something. Yeah. So essentially you have, I mean, I, th- I mean, that only, I mean, it doesn't even represent like a ton of even cash for them. And so you take something like Apple, if they were to have put in like $5 billion, it'd be 20 days worth of free cash flow to be able to do that. So I think you're going to see other companies that say, Hey, I can put this, you know, pile of money that's sitting there earning one or 2% or earning 0%. And I can use it to either buy back my own stock or I can, you know, use it to buy and my stock might go up, you know, five or 10% if I go buy it back, or I can go put it into Bitcoin and something that's, you know, going up, you know, hundreds of percent every year. And granted it, yeah, it is a big roller coaster. And I was reading articles of people saying how dumb it is to, for Elon to do something like that. But, you know, throughout his entire career, I'm sure everything that he's done, people have said that, that it was dumb. And so, and actually one of the guys on, you know, they wanted to invited his dad was a co-founder of SpaceX with Elon Musk. Uh, one of the guys who was on that last night. Uh, and so it's, um, I think you're going to start seeing other companies, major Fortune 500 companies, start putting in like half a percent, then one percent, and then two percent. And you're going to see other investment institutions putting in like two percent of their capital into Bitcoin. And the thing is, I mean, it, once this race starts, then there's no stopping it. And so, I mean, getting in like super early where you could go buy like a thousand Bitcoin, I mean, like in if, as an individual, I mean, those days are over, but the move from 50,000 to 100,000 could take a month, whereas it took, you know, 12 years to get to 50,000, you know, we're not at 50,000 now, but uh, maybe in Canadian dollars, but you're, 
the the move is going to be exponential. And so I think, and then eventually you're going to see people that are not going to want to miss out. And so people are like, oh, wow, how did Tim Pichot make so much money for his clients? Uh, past performance, no indication of future returns. But in case SSCs <laughs> listening to this, but people are just going to wonder like, like, hey, like other financial advisors, I mean, there's, I was talking with a, a company today where they're building out this white label product and and for advisors where they can help track their clients' crypto and things like that. And, and, and like this infrastructure is like not even there. And it's just like me like asking for this type of stuff. But eventually, like every financial advisor is going to realize, oh, wow, my clients are want, wanting this. And, and it's either I do this or because, you know, in the beginning stages, they're getting laughed at. And I had big investment managers come into my office three years ago and, and laugh at me when I, and there were people that ran a currency, currency fund. And I'm like, hey, you're missing one currency. And they're like, no, we have every currency. I'm like, well, you know, the best one. They're like, what's that? I'm like, Bitcoin. And the guy laughed at my face and then, you know, Bitcoin ended up going up 20 times that year. And I was like, fuck you and sold out all of his fund. So, uh, so it's uh, eventually, I think you're going to see every institution having like half a percent then 1% then 2%, at least the more, you know, I hate to use the word progressive, but you know, the ones that are more uh, innovative will be doing that. I mean, actually the name of the company that I work for is called Innovative Advisory Group. And then I'm the Liberty Advisor is more like my moniker. So the company isn't, isn't Liberty Advisor. That's sort of like my brand name moniker that I go by. Uh, and so it's, I think it's going to be the signal for other companies to do that. And then the people are realizing, oh, wow, like MicroStrategy did that. And then MicroStrategy, I think their stock was up like 20% today. And and uh, and it's up, you know, went from like $200 to like $1,200 in, in just the span of like six months. And other companies and, and CEOs eventually are going to have like a fiduciary duty to probably put it in their in their portfolio. Now, obviously, if you have a, you know, cash flow needs, you shouldn't be doing this. But a lot of companies are sitting on trillions of dollars, not each company, but in the aggregate, there's trillions of dollars of, of, of stale money doing nothing that's sitting on the sidelines. It's either going to be used to buy back their own stock or to sit there, you know, earning one or 2% a year, you know, and buying, you know, BS investment grade bonds. And so there's one company on the micro and I'm making a recommendation on it. Micro strategy. It was actually issuing bonds to then use that money to then buy Bitcoin, which is also kind of crazy, but, uh, it's, uh, I think eventually you're going to see everybody rushing into it, even if it's only a tiny bit. And right now, I mean, I had a conversation the other day with just some random couple I heard talking about, they're talking about all retirement planning stuff right next to Josh and I as we're eating. And so I kind of butted into their conversation. Then they literally like left the restaurant. Like they didn't want to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, I hey, know there's people that pay me like $500 an hour for this info. And I'm giving, they're trying to give it to you for free. And they didn't want it. And they just, I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking ahead. And they like, they ran out of there like as fast as they possibly could. And uh, I'm like, you know, and that's a bullish sign for me because it means that not everybody's there and people are where I was. Cause when I first heard about it, a dollar, it wasn't like a groundbreaking thing for me. I'm like, Oh, it's just some crazy anarchist and my, you know, wife's best friend who gave up her social security number and gave up her, uh, you know, all, you know, citizenship and all this other stuff, you know, she's into Bitcoin. I'm like, and she doesn't know anything. And so that I didn't, uh, and little did I know. So, uh, it's people are having all the same concerns that I had 10 years ago and it took me several years to get into it. Uh, and I outsmarted myself. It cost myself a lot of money. And so, you know, if it took me, you know, seven years to get into it after, you know, discovering it, then, you know, is it going to take somebody else seven to 10 years? Now there's a lot more information today now than there was back then. Cause you know, back then, you know, in 2011, no one's, you know, going around and beating your head into telling you to go, uh, you know, buy Bitcoin, whereas, you know, it's going to be more something that you're not going to be able to, uh, and people like shiny objects too. So people are gonna be like, Oh, wow, this thing went up, you know, X, thousand percent which is not the way to invest but people are going to just human nature is people are going to chase what's doing better and people are going oh wow this thing that's super risky and volatile has been going up a shitload every year uh but yeah it's been risky and so i think people are going to 
and then people will get in it and then the price will go down and they'll go sell out. And then the, uh, then the people, then when it crashes, the people like me and the holders will come in and buy it. And then the cycle will keep rinsing and repeating and it will keep going on and on and on again. But, you know, yeah, I wouldn't go all in. I'd wait to, you know, buy a little bit every month. And, and then eventually, you know, if there is a big crash then use the big crash and then, you know, get wait to the point where everybody doesn't want it. And that's the best time to get it. Yeah. Uh, interesting. If there, if there is a simple explanation uh, for somebody like me to understand, what would that be for what blockchain and what the hell Bitcoin mining is or, or whatever mine crypto mining is? I'm so confused about those two concepts. Yeah, I mean, probably the best thing to do is I did a, a, the first video I did on Bitcoin, like I explained, broke both those things down because that could get into like a really, uh, you know, kind of wonky uh, conversation. But, you know, every time, every 10 minutes, there's a Bitcoin, tra- there's a Basically, it's sort of like a video game in essence that there, it's a lottery. And every 10 minutes, somebody finds a Bitcoin. And so you've got these tons of computers all around the world. It's many, many, many times the size of the Google network. And they're all trying to guess these huge, huge numbers that are like bigger than every at- atom in the atmosphere type numbers. And so, you know, essentially they guess, you know, close to this number. And then whoever, you know, eventually every 10 minutes they get it. And then if all of a sudden, if there's more people in the network and they're guessing it in eight minutes, then the algorithm then readjusts to then make it 10 again. So the algorithm then makes it tougher. And so there's sort of this like self-governing mechanism. So that way, you know, every second, like a Bitcoin is being found. So every 10 minutes on average, a Bitcoin is being found. And then, and then whoever wins that Bitcoin gets a certain amount of Bitcoin and then they get all the transaction fees. So mining can be, you know, pretty profitable, but you know, it's pretty much only the big boys at this point. I mean, you're not going and doing yeah. it from your computer. It's actually, in my opinion, better to just buy Bitcoin than to uh, than to try to get into any mining. There's lots of schemes out there, so people have to be very careful of this. I mean, a, in a lot of it's a good way to lose your money is you know to investing into Bitcoin mining. But essentially, the miners are the ones validating and securing the network because there's so much firepower at this network that like the government can't come in and try to overtake it because then the algorithm would just make it tougher, which then would make it more valuable. And it's sort of like a self-governing mechanism. And then the block, then so every, since so as the, the one chain, so somebody finds it and that's a block, then 10 minutes later, somebody else finds it and that's a block. And then they sort of connect together and those blocks can't be un- unwound. Now, the only way now it could be attacked and unwound that way, but it, I mean, it gets into some really, uh, you know, the odds of that happening would be, you know, essentially uh, basically zero. And then even if it did happen, everyone has a record of what things look like right before and they could roll things back and kick out the bad actor. And then they just wasted, you know, trillions of hours to do nothing. And uh, entering us on Tenopolis has a great, has a great video on this. And I have a video on it uh, that I could also share with you guys uh, through through email that kind of breaks it down a little bit better because I go onto like a whiteboard and it gets all, you know, kind of wonky, but essentially the blockchain, like every 10 minutes is like, boom, they're being stacked and stacked and stacked. And so you can't unwind what happened. So the only way to really kind of unwind it is you'd have to, you'd have to be the person that wins it. Then you'd have to then be the person that wins like the next one. And then you'd have to then like rewrite every, like basically all of history and then like win another one. But then, but then by doing that, you would then spend like trillions of dollars and overtake the network and then trillions of dollars of energy and then you would then make it worthless. And then through game theory, you spent all this money and it ended up with nothing. Yeah. And then they could then roll back the chain from when somebody was effing with it. And then they could just cut you off. And then you just spend a trillion dollars and end up with nothing. So, I mean, there's people who have thought this through. Uh, I mean, really, the I mean, Satoshi Nakamoto or the entity, whoever it is, you know, should win like the Nobel Peace Prize in economics, not fucking Paul Krugman that doesn't know anything that he won the Nobel Peace Prize in economics. And the guy is 
like literally just an idiot. Uh, and, and he did say truthfully, I mean, the one truthful thing he has said is that the dollar has value because men with guns can come to your house, like Max Kaiser said, and kill you if you don't. Uh, and, and meanwhile, he wrote, you know, his blog is called The Conscience of a Liberal. I'm like, oh, that's real liberal that will come to your house and kill you if you don't. Uh, and, and that's a playoff Barry Goldwater, who wrote The Conscience of a Conservative, uh, which and then his Senate seat then went to John McCain, who is, you know, obviously an enemy of the American people. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that helped answer your question or not. Or if I just a little bit. It did a little bit. Clear it up. I'll, I might uh, take advantage of your uh, 15 minute consultation call at some point. I just okay. went over to my friend's house. This is a couple of years ago. He's got all these computers just in his basement, just leaking. I'm like, what is this? And he's doing blockchain mining down there. Is he's got an operation going on? I've- and you and that's probably not Bitcoin. I mean, now if it was like 2012, 13, 14, maybe. But if it was a few years ago, there's. So there's ASIC mining, which is essentially uh, something like applied systems, integrated computer or something like that. And, and they, these specialized machines just go and mine for Bitcoin. If it's something that's being done at, in someone's basement, it's probably what they call GPU mining. And GPU mining is more like mining for Ethereum or what they, they call like these ERC-20 tokens. So it's probably was a GPU mining for something like Ethereum would be it my was guess. Ethereum. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that's, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. You know, I will say your voice sounds a lot like Johnny Wood- Woodard of uh, I'm from uh, uh, from uh, Sam Tripoli's Tinfoil Hat. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that before. Right you know, there. I've done a show with him with Johnny and Sam. I, I, nobody's told me that. I didn't notice that. Okay. To go back and listen to that again. Well, well, I, 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 well I know a guy who changed his name to nobody, so he told you that. No, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, I'm going to go and listen to it and see if I can't tell the difference. Frankly. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll like if sound it's like... two guys with the same voice. Right. Yeah. That's also, a good, it's a, it's a good guy. voice. My alter ego's yeah. name is Johnny, Johnny Blastoff, so I guess we have... Yeah, uh, he does. I was going to say, maybe it was you. Maybe oh, really? did you ever go by yeah. Johnny with Sam? <laughs> I used to, actually, when I first started doing shows. Yeah. With so you could, uh, yeah, so you could fill in for Johnny and then nobody would know, so... Yeah. That's right. At least, at least on the radio, yeah. So, Bigley, do you, are you where you want to be, or it's just yeah, too, yeah, I mean, too just, much? So when, I, when I say I'll, I'll never be able to get through them, as you were saying, so many things that sparked, like, curiosity in me. And uh, I'll definitely do further research. And I'll probably well, at some point. The problem is everything's a rabbit. Everything's a yeah. rabbit hole. So like totally. every little thing can then go into a thousand other rabbit holes, and then it's just uh, yeah. So your videos address a lot of that, right? Is there an order? Like you're doing, you're starting a course. Like how can we get educated on this? I'm not trying to plug your stuff, but I'm interested in your stuff. Yeah, I don't even have the stuff. I mean, I've done everything like for free. So I do have a, and I've been trying to. I mean, I've only have like 300 people following me on BitChute, but I do have like a crypto wealth thing on BitChute. And if you go to like the first video on there uh, for the wealth one, it's like, what is Bitcoin? And, and it's, and actually talks about the Bilderberg connections and talk about the Bitcoin cash and talks about mining and talks about the blockchain. And, and actually the guy I was doing it with was the guy who ended up getting me in touch, not me personally, but uh, we got Lynn in touch with Mike Lindell through him. So it's kind of funny how all this stuff ends up, but it didn't work. So it just, you know, That's sort of sucks uh, big time. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend, yeah, so they can, yeah, lots of great information, but, the, but the course is going to lay it out where it's all, I mean, this is sort of, you know, shoot and fire and you can just, you got to go spend a bunch of time. Whereas the course is going to lay it out and everything's going to be in sections and everything's, I mean, 99% of it's been shot. And now it's, I've got somebody editing it who, uh, the guy that I was filming it with, but you know, it's just something that people ask me for all the time. And so, you know, I don't have time in every party to go, you right. know, be the guy. cause it's not necessarily, I wanted to just, you know, spend the rest of my life doing nothing but like talking about all these different issues. And so, uh, which is, you know, pretty much what I do all the time anyways, but I just want to be able to scale things out and, you know, and you can, 
easily fall off the wagon and lose all of your crypto or you can get hacked or you can get SIM card swapped or you can get, there's so many different ways where you can, you know, lose things or you can, you know, buy some sort of, you know, shit coin and lose all your money that way. And so there's a lot of, I mean, most of these other currencies are BS, uh, but that's, but I'm not from like the Max Kaiser point of view of, of saying that they have to be BS. And so I sort of think like Tone Vase is sort of like the boy that cried scam. And I've said that to his face before, so it's not going <laughs> to, uh, so, I mean, if you call every single thing a scam, then eventually like your weight of saying it's a scam doesn't hold as much weight, uh, anymore, but he has, you know, done a lot of good work and he does a lot of good work ongoing. And I was appreciative that he came on the show yesterday and, uh, so I don't want to rag on them too much, but I yeah, just they don't got the think big that every, yesterday. yeah, I just don't think that every single thing is a scam. Like he thinks and there are other use cases, but I don't necessarily, but there is a lot of scammers. Most of them are scams. And so, you know, he is correct from that standpoint. Uh, but if you're just getting into it, I would just mess around with the Bitcoin, maybe a little bit of Ethereum and that would be it and do some research on it. And if you're going to put, you know, substantial amount of money in it, then you probably want to talk to somebody like myself. Uh, and I know how to get a hold of myself. So hopefully you guys can too. So <laughs> go to thelibertyadvisor.com and then you can find also there's a media section and you can find all the different propaganda that I put out there. Uh, and, you know, mainly, you know, we do a lot of economic stuff, financial stuff, Bitcoin stuff. You know, I was doing a lot of political stuff, but I think it's all bullshit. And so I told yeah. John yesterday, I don't want to do nearly as much political stuff, even though I think I have like pretty much the best political track record around not to- No, you're right to, though. Uh, because I actually, we do nothing but political stuff. And the fact is that I'm starting to think that's why I want to have you on for a live stream. Like we're going to start doing Saturday live stream once a month of people who really know their stuff so that our listeners can interact with them. They're going to have a lot of questions, but all I want to do is focus on stuff that has real value for the person who wants to be hey. autonomous. Hey buddy, we're letting you go. It sounds you look like uh, somebody who needs to go outside. He looks like my dog a little bit. Yeah. It looks a little yeah. bit like Edmund. Well, I, I wanted to name him Satoshi, but uh, my <laughs> ex at the time wouldn't let me. So his name is Yoshi. And then Aaron and Kingsley just got a dog and named it Satoshi. So now when they're both together, it's like Yoshi and Satoshi. Oh, that is adorable. Oh my of, gosh. Well, that is our signal, but I wanted to, one other thing. What kind of dog is is that? Sorry. uh, (laughs) You're never going to guess, but he is half Rhodesian Ridgeback, and then the other half is actually Pitbull Chihuahua. Uh, Oh, wow. Wow. So so he looks like a but you know, but we did get into a bar fight the other day and didn't do anything. So that's a whole nother story oh, with Josh. Yeah, yeah. You, that was obviously a little trauma there because you were talking about it before and let you get the whole story out. But I wanted to thank you again for oh, there's Edmund. Hey Edmund. How you doing, buddy? He can't hear no, he us. Does, no, he does look he does like look him. like him. Yeah. yeah, and it's a yeah, and he looks basically like a puppy ridgeback forever. So because forever, yeah, that's the yeah. Chihuahua. That's a yeah. So cute. So I wanted to thank you again for having, um, for introducing us to Tina Marie, yep. uh, that she was a, a real yes, fan great. favorite, such yeah. an authentic person. And I watched your interview with her and you listened to our interview with her, but at the end, or at one point in your interview, you, I think said, uh, recommended to do some Wim Hof breathing. Is that true? I did. Oh, Can you yeah. give us a demonstration of that? It piqued my I've curiosity. I recommended the same thing actually on our show. I probably, yeah. probably. Oh, that's Wim Hof that, that you do, Binkley? That's what I've been telling you about. Is that the, well, you told the me the Iceman. in through the nose, out through the mouth, but yeah, I thought the, there was more to it. Oh, and his stuff, there's, there's is, uh, yeah, he's there is more to it than that, but yeah, it's similar. And he's the guy I've been saying the Iceman I talk about. Yes, yeah, no, yes, awesome. yes. I do know about uh, that. He, that guy has a lot of. A lot of recommendations. I'm going to look into it, but I wondered if you could give us a demonstration. Is it 
I've only have done it. I, I was doing it for like a month or two, and then I kind of fell off the wagon. But essentially what you're doing is you want to take, I believe, like 30 deep breaths. Excuse me, figure, you know, I go and burp right as I trying to do that. But <laughs> so I get to take, you know, 30 deep, all the seltzer water I'm having. So you take 30 deep breaths, and then at the end, you want to then have a, a gigantic exhale. So you've got no more breath. And then you want to then hold your breath for as long as possible. And so, I mean, you want to be going, you know, maybe the first time, like 30 seconds, then 45, then a minute and two minutes. I think I was like, I got to like three minutes or something uh, when I was trying it. Um, wow, but- really? You held your breath for three minutes? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I was a competitive swimmer, uh, growing uh up, yes, so that, yes, I, I mean, I, I once, I once Polo, held my, right? I once held my breath all the way, just kicking in a 50 yard pool down and back, just kicking once, just like without even using my arms once. So that's it's crazy. I think that's, wow. my, uh, and I'm, yeah, I would say that's one of the most athletic things I've done, but I'm also an Ironman triathlete too. So I got that going for me as well. Whoa. So of, all right. Uh, well, that's a whole nother story, but I want to know. So the yeah. Wim Hof stuff, what's the advantage? Well, what you're doing is you're alkaline. Mean, I'm not a doctor, but you are basically raising the alkalinity of your blood. And so cancer can only grow in environments that are, and actually my latest podcast was with Tim James, who we're getting into yeah, this yeah. stuff. And so you're, so you are, you know, you're pretty much in an acidic state and everything you're drinking is, you know, basically, you know, making your body more acidic and sugars are more acidic than your, your cancer grows in acidic environments. Yeah. And okay. then by, by doing this, uh, yeah. you're making, you're, you're raising the alkalinity of your blood. Yeah, I understand. So then, so then that way it's going to be tougher for cancer to grow in that type of environment. And so you want to be taking these like huge, gigantic breaths and you can actually go and, you know, go on YouTube and type in Wim Hof, W-I-M. Uh, yes. No, I have, I'm ready to. Uh, for the listeners. Yeah. For the that. listeners. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So mm-hmm. can, and then they can, they can go, you know, do that for themselves and kind of like follow along with him. And so what was uh, it just his, it's just Wim Hof.com. Is that what you're saying? I just go to YouTube and just type oh, in, yeah. I mean, not that I, mean, I hate freaking plugging YouTube, but you know, know. W I M H O F F. Yeah. And you can, I'm sure you can find us. I think it's just H O F, but you can, oh. but the, the guy's incredible. I think he's done like the death Valley marathon and only like, I don't even know if he drank any water or something and like it climbed <laughs> Everest and like a pair of like booty shorts. And <laughs> yeah, like, I want to take his class. And uh, I'm not even making this up. And then he like yeah. swam, like has the world record. I think somebody just beat him like swimming. Like I forgot it was like a hundred Maybe I think it was 200 meters under ice. Now, I had just said that I did 100, and that was yards, not even – no, sorry, that was 50 yards, not even meters. This guy right. did 200 under an ice sheet, that is, and I missed All-American swimming by .08, and I couldn't even do that. And this guy is some, like, freaking 70-year-old guy is out here That's going and crazy. doing this stuff, owning everybody, and, and has the world record in it. It's, like, absolutely nuts that – uh the things that he can do. And so a lot of it is, you know, mind over matter, but you know, everything that they do that they try telling us to is like the exact opposite of what you should do. Like, Oh, you should cover your mask or cover your mouth. Oh no, oh, you should actually take deeper breaths. Oh, you should go. And then so yeah. it's like, there's no 90 second boil down. And so that's why, and that's why it's crazy. Like the bar fight thing had nothing to do with any of this. Like I thought like all the crazy stuff I do and all, and walk around yeah. with a lot of masks and do all this random. stuff. Just some random, dude. <laughs> random. Uh, and so it's just like, just, absolutely just mind-boggling when it's like you know i own masks before anybody else and i wore one before anybody else and i realized this whole thing was bullshit basically before anybody else and uh and it's just like they want us to do the exact opposite because at the time like well the government's not talking about this coronavirus thing and they're showing people dropping dead in china and then i'm like 
and then I'm like, well, why isn't the government talking about this? And then as soon as the government started talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's probably like, fake yeah. then. Okay, now yeah. I don't believe it. And my dad's like, wait a minute. So you were wearing one, and then, then they told you to wear one, and then you stopped now wearing you're one. Not I'm wearing like, one. Yeah. I had mask in 95 in 2005 with that yeah, first maybe. bird flu thing. And then, uh, but same way, I, I was scared of it back then. But then when this came around and it's in the news, I'm like, I just I don't want to wear a fucking mask. <laughs> well, look, Tim, you are a fast talker, and so am I, and I'm a fast listener, and I know Binkley is too. I'm from and New York originally, so that's why. I'm from yeah. New York originally, and yeah. and uh, and I'll tell you this: it might be the longest interview we ever did, and I feel like we literally, like, a, I didn't even touch on all the things I wanted to touch on. And I could do just as much time on basically every single topic, but you've, this is my, uh, you know, I love, I cannot get enough like mathy stuff. I just don't know why. <laughs> I just love it. So like you could do math for me. Like all so, the anarchy, political philosophy. And I mean, yeah, it's basically everything in the wheelhouse of stuff that I am into. It seems like the stuff yeah, that you're you into love. too. So yeah. So I want more. And I definitely want you to bring um, just an hour of Bitcoin Q&A to our, to our channel. I know you're super, super busy. So whenever you have a chance. Yeah. yeah. And that is a big, I really want to do that. And um, it has absolutely been a joy talking to you. I enjoy it so much. Very stimulating. And I know we kept you way, way over what we said. I hope yeah. we're to, No, I had a, no, I had a, I had a good time. And luckily, I mean, I had, uh, kind of booked this out too. Good. I think Great. it would be a while. So yeah. uh, it's not really our thing to do the super long interview, but I just knew I, once I had your brain in my hands, I was going to want to pick through it a bit so anyway and i know binkley is, is we're probably going to go do our homework and then we'll we'll have a little more basic questions for the next the next time we meet yeah and our discord cool. no, talks good. about bitcoin all the time too so they'll have a lot of questions for you yeah, and I do a lot more than just Bitcoin too. So I mean, that's not like the only like like. I'm looking for a Bitcoin of... expert. Okay. I don't even yeah. want to know about the Bitcoin. I want to know all the other stuff. I want to know about the collapse of the system and how how mon money printing can be deflationary. I didn't even get to that. That was a big one that I wanted yeah, cause, to get. To. Yeah, because most of the videos I put out like are on like more like that stuff and general financial stuff. And then you know, because I did a bunch of videos when Bitcoin was completely in the crapper, and which was the time people should have been investing. So I wanted to right. be like, you know what? If you're not here when you know it's at the low, then you know you shouldn't be here. You know, talking about how great it is when it's at the high. You know, acting like you're here the whole time. So, but you know, all the videos were out there. But you know, I was shadow banned so heavily that you know nobody really knows me because you know I had like a two month time period where I was you know killing it on Facebook, and then they completely cut the legs out from underneath me, and then I went to go do videos for rural alternative media then we got kicked off of youtube then i was doing stuff for we are changed and then they demonetized us and then uh then the guy that was running that was started censoring me too and then so uh, we should get you on rockfin i think that that's gonna be a keeper yeah so lot. i mean yeah i mean i'd be you know happy to do that because i mean some of my videos still make it on world alternative media with, with josh sigerson and so he's yeah. like one of the fastest growing bit shoot channels yeah. uh you know on there and then you know and i recommend people go to you know odyssey but you know you go to the liberty what Advisor. was that again world alternative media yeah, so I'm a contributor yeah. for, for them, and they we've been, you know, we were kicked off. Uh, it figures we were kicked off the same day as all the fucking Q people. So here we are doing yeah. nothing but like talking shit about Q, and then we get kicked off with all the Q people, like wrapped up in with them. That's even what they're we there for. Yeah. for. 
That's and what so, they're there for. So tell yeah. people again, you're just your main URL. Where do people go for, for, to get to know you and your, I assume that you have media tabs. I think you said you had the media. Yeah. Tabs so there. if you go to the Liberty it's the financial advisor website and there's a media tab up there and you can get to the Liberty advisor show from there.com. But the Liberty has that presentation from Anarcha Poco. That is a year old. Now, like the only <laughs> thing I think I messed up in there is I thought that Pete Buttigieg was going to be the, uh, the CIA asset. I thought he was going to be the one running, not Joe Biden. So I yeah, messed up on that. Reasonable. But again, nobody, okay. You know, I'm not a hundred percent and maybe a couple other little things in there, but you know, I was saying that, Hey, listen, you know, at the, the stock market is either going to keep going up because of fed money printing or it's going to crash. And this is the way to do it ahead of time. And then by the way, Trump's going to lose. And this is why he's going to lose. And so, I mean, from, and it was called 2020, the economy, the stock market, where we're going and how to invest it was like it couldn't have been any more dead on for being right before the corona now i didn't even mention coronavirus in it but it was crazy that it was called like what 2020 what's in store so i want to see somebody else at a 2020 what's yeah. in store video in january or february because this was written and i made it in january then i got coronavirus like started the year with coronavirus but it wasn't called coronavirus but it's like the only time i was I, i'm never sick and my ex at yeah. the time yeah, we were flying back from New York. I had a wedding that I, on New Year's Eve, and uh, yeah, we flew back the next day. And then uh, my first Facebook status of the year was I've been shivering in bed for 48 hours while while sweating. So probably had coronavirus. I mean, I didn't take a single thing for it. Uh, I mean, I haven't had a single pharmaceutical drug in probably 12 years, probably since 2005. It's the last time I think I had ibuprofen. And I've done seven, yeah, five half Ironmans, two full Ironmans with not a single pain pill or anything. So, uh, and so I like to think I know what I'm talking about and some of that stuff. And then I get like guys who are like 300 pounds eating McDonald's telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm some conspiracy <laughs> theorist. So they yes. got a mask over their face. So anyways, yeah, no, I try to walk the walk and do whatever. Yep. I mean, I'm sort of a unique type of guy that, uh, not trying to make my head get any bigger over here. With no, but, no, uh, but I, I'm so eager to get actually to listen to that stuff. It might be my new, my new dog walk buddy. Uh, awesome. will be your backlog for sure. Because and I just, some of the videos are with my dog too. So I call it the Tim and Yoshi show. So if they go to the website, they can see there's a Tim and John show. So my partner, John's nice. Oh yeah. A, a fellow economic, <laughs> Tim and Yoshi. That's perfect. A fellow economic geek. Then we've got Tim and John. I've got my Liberty advisor stuff. It's just, oh. you know, it's just, it's just me. And then I've got videos with uh from josh with world alternative media and if you go to josh's page you can see the full story of the whole uh fight incident thing that oh was, that, that should the, be amusing hey the, do you tweet nope i'm off i got off twitter hey. I got off facebook i'm only on float.app now is the only uh only one of those i'm on or you can go I'm going old school. So I'm going email list. I'm going. Yeah, me too. Us too. I just told Binkley today, I was like going to move to Mastodon. I'm like, you know what? I have a little forum on my website, thepropreport.com that people will post headlines and we're just going to chat there. And as long as we can keep it working, I'm just going yeah, I mean, to I, I left a my little, with, my little garden. I left Facebook with 32,000 followers. I'm like, oh, you. I don't need it. I don't know anymore. I'm just, you know, Yikes. I'm not, your, I'm not your guy's slave. Uh, so I got off that. I mean, I got the free man shirt. So, I mean, I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to, I mean, you are, they are mining our data. They are, uh, using our data. They're weaponizing it against us. I always knew it. I was underneath fake Facebook underneath fake names until they eventually made me give up my real name. And I had to go give my, I right before the election, uh, in 2016, I had to give up my ID. Then they had to go send something to my house. I was moving anyway, so I didn't care. And then and they, I had to 
and then they mailed something to me. I then had to put in that like two factor authentication to relog onto my account. So to prove it wasn't a Russian and then they shut down the ability for me to advertise. Then they shut down and I couldn't even tag myself in my own post for four years. And I, I so Mike, at this point, I'm like, I can't even <laughs> like, you're basically, you've completely kneecapped me. I, like I was growing faster than like Ben Shapiro and all these other Judas goats of, you know, that, tries to pretend that they're libertarian and then, but but what they don't want is they don't want people getting out showing that the whole system is bullshit because i'm even more yeah. dangerous and we're more dangerous than the people that are trying to keep people in the left right paradigm so trying to get above that and then oh what by the yeah. way now here's a guy that you know advocated for donald trump and then immediately said like fuck you to donald trump as soon as he saw <laughs> everything that was going on uh and so that is more dangerous and that's probably why i was shadow banned and, uh, and it's sort of like a badge of honor that it only took two months to do it on Facebook. I mean, literally the first time I got shut out was two weeks. So it was well, like, if you yeah. continue to have forward vision, you should be able to get ahead of it. And I, you know, it is a big pain. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of work. It doesn't have as much reach, but you kind of have to go to where you have that, that true autonomy, stay connected to people like us, the union of the unwanted, other podcasters, other people who, as we introduce each other to the audiences, eventually you can tap into, I think, a really, really large community of people who just want the truth. They're happy that we all have different ideas of what that is, that we that all we do is encourage people to think and give them our thoughts. And yeah, so like people I think- should just go research everything I said and like try to prove me wrong and stuff because like I, I that's why I didn't trust Q because like you shouldn't be trusting any plan. No. Like like you should never be- trust. Of course not. I don't yeah. even trust Ron Paul. I love him. Yeah. But I just evaluate what he's saying, and it usually rarely comes up short. Well, so. March fourth, remember March fourth. They say is when Trump's going to be. Oh my inaugurated. god! And it's the president's stupid. two popes, baby. And it's a Dr. Charlie Ward and all his bullshit of uh, I've seen because I have, like even my pizza, like the pizza guy who I go to. He's like this uh, guy <laughs> from. Uh, I forgot where he's from, like uh, Croatia or something. And he's he's awesome. He's, in March, he's telling me this whole thing is a pandemic. It's all a scam. He goes to take vaccines. And so I go to his pizza place. And uh, and he, last time he was like, hey, you see what's going on through uh, March 4th? And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. March 4th. Like, that yeah, was the Trump- problem with Q. It just it, it siphoned every. It's like Trump took the Ron Paul energy and then Q took the resistance. But that's I couldn't a agree. Whole- I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more on that and then that's so i'm like i'm like oh my god i'm like i've literally have called out everything and i'm on video talking about this stuff like how i'm like stop i'm like i'm like this guy has a quarter million followers and if he goes and tells everybody that he was duped then he's gonna look like an idiot and all of them are gonna go away to, to the next q guy and so he has a financial incentive to to keep everybody roped in and so it's just all these people saw the all the fame that they were getting and all the dollar bills and all the advertising and all the following and that's a hard drug to give up and so these people want something to believe and it's harder. I forgot who said it. It's harder to admit that you've been lied to than to, I, I, I forgot. I'm butchering the quote. Uh, it's harder to remember the quote. And, uh, yeah, so, Binkley knows it. I, I know the one you're talking about, but I can't. I can't well, there's, then there's like either. the bigger the lie, the easier it is for people to believe. I think that was Hitler. And so it's just. Yeah, but it's easier to don't... lie to somebody than to convince them they're being lied to, to fool someone. That, that, they, yeah. I think it's like Mark yeah, Twain. Yeah, yeah. yeah like something that, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And, and so it's just that is where people are at. They don't want to, you know, I'm always the bad guy. I was the bad guy saying he was going to win the first time. I was the bad guy saying he wasn't going to win the second time. And 
I'm, and then I know here I am as like this anarchist that doesn't even, you know, I actually, I voted for Kanye West just as like, try to, nice! piss, just to try to piss everybody yeah. off. I like, voted oh, for Ron off. Paul. I always vote for Ron Paul. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'll go right in Kanye West. And then that way I'll piss off all the anarchists. I'll piss off libertarians. I'll piss Perfect. off the Republicans. No, I, I encourage that. I think that's great. But that, that, so we'll, we'll uh, see what 2021 brings. It'll probably be a little less newsy, a little bit less crazy, a lot more. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's a started socials. off less. Oh yeah. That's it's already true. kind of crazier than it was. Yeah. I mean, we, we had, might have we, the the civil unrest, but that is the. I mean, six uh, days into the year, we had people storm the Capitol. Yeah. So I mean, the bars. I mean, we've yeah, already started off pretty maybe. crazy. Maybe. So. You Man, think like, you think everything's fake. I think everything is fake. But that is the story well, for another a, time. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. So we'll get to that eventually. There, yeah. But uh, thank you so much, Tim. It has been an absolute pleasure. And we have to do it again soon. And then I'll let awesome. you know when um, I'm going to put you on the spot for a little live streaming with our people. Cool. That sounds good. It's a pleasure to be on. And uh, libertyadvisor.com, the Liberty Advisor. Somebody else already took Liberty Advisor. So, the uh, libertyadvisor.com. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, no, thank Bankley. You. Thanks, man. Until Thanks, next Monica. time. See y'all later.